Deep in the heart of Appalachia, guys set on a quest to create the greatest podcast. Uh, sorry, dude. I thought we agreed on the correct pronunciation of Appalachia. No, dude. We, we've talked about this. We've talked about this over and over and over. It's, it's pronounced Appalachia. Listen, freaking angels and the women got together. That's how we got Bigfoot. That's how we got vampires. That's why we got all of this stuff. These ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. There's old entities here. You start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you. Good Lord, sir. (laughs) This goose has gone rabbit. You think you're just going to run up with your little sword on the king of the goose squad? Listen, the old entities of Middle Appalachia are unexplainable. Mm. They are eerie. Breach. And they are one of these things that will keep us, the hill folks, and the people who live in the area constantly searching for answers. Mm that they probably will never, ever find. And this is why we love Appalachian Intelligence. Hey there, Hill folk, and welcome back to Appalachian Intelligence. We're extremely thankful that y'all can join us again for another week, for another episode, for another edition of AI. Um, The show's been really growing recently. We're so thankful for y'all's support. We're so thankful for everything that y'all do. Just to hit a couple little quick things before we jump into this thing, um, you can go check out our Discord now. we got a Discord server up and running. It's already been popping off. A whole lot of stuff is going on over there. So y'all go jump in, hang out with us over there on Discord. Uh, you can go check out our Patreon, patreon.com uh, slash Appalachian underscore intelligence. We've got some cool stuff going on over there. One thing that we want to mention that we haven't mentioned yet is if you want to send us some cool stuff, and we'll put all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, if you want to send us some cool stuff, the show has a P.O. box now that you can send this stuff to. Uh, it's P.O. Box 855 Hayside, Virginia, 24256. We'll put that in the show notes just in case y'all need a reminder about that. Um, and you know what we like to do when we get love, we like to show love back out for all you heal folk. So. Our five-star review for this week comes from JRA4776. It's five stars. It says, heard you on the confessionals. Came right over and so glad I did. Love it. Great podcast. Definitely recommend. So JRA or JRA or DRA or however you want to pronounce that, 4776. We appreciate you so much. these five-star reviews really, really, really help out the show. Helps out the algorithms. Bumps us up there when people are looking for the weird. And especially when you put type in the weird in Appalachia. We're close to the top. So we appreciate that. Um, with you tonight, as usual, your hosts, Justin, Ryan, and Lance. Ryan, Lance, how you boys doing tonight? I am doing really, really, really well. I'm doing great, Justin. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I couldn't get myself unmuted. Also, I was writing down the names of patrons ring read at the end of the episode, so I didn't press record. Okay. Sorry. 
It's all right. I just pressed it. So you're going to get this, not your introduction. That's fine. Or your five-star review. I thought you were going to read a second one. It's okay. I'm recording too. It's it's fine. That's why we have multiple okay. people recording. Just it's don't count on me is what I'm trying to say. Well, Sheesh. I never do. I never do, Ryan. You're just a backup plan. That's that's <laughs> the way this works. I send you everything. You're just it's you're not really even a great. You're not even like a great backup plan. You're just 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 the general backup plan. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like Plan B, and I'm you're talking like, like you guys. I'm muting myself. <laughs> I'm talking like the peel Plan B, not like a good Plan B. It's probably what my mom should have done, but. Here I am. <laughs> We're glad but, she did. <laughs> fortunately for you, Hill folk, it's not just the nonsense that me and Ryan and Lance can bring you tonight. Uh, we got an awesome guest with us tonight. We're extremely thankful that he came on, and we're super excited to have this conversation with him. This guy is the curator of Creepy Chronicles inquisitor into the eeriest of interviews, a man that takes much comfort in being uncomfortable. With us tonight is Eric, the host of Uncomfortable Podcast. Eric, how are you, brother? Gentlemen, good to see you all. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate this. Absolutely. Appreciate you being here. Pleasure to be here. going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. It's already been a lot of fun. We've been only going for like two minutes. <laughs> Great intro. Great intro. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That one was uh that one was pretty easy. That one was pretty easy. That came that came easy. With that with the name of the show, it opens up a ton of possibilities. It really does. So you since know, we're already there, yeah. How did the show get its name? Well, you know, it's funny because uh I had gone to, uh, there's a bar right outside my neighborhood that is dangerously close and they have dangerously cheap beer and they have dangerously good food. So I go there quite a bit. And, uh, I had a lady that I work with, she, uh, you know, she was, she was really a good sounding board for me. Cause when I first started talking about doing this, you know, I was bouncing a lot of ideas off her and she's got a little bit of a twisted mind to her. And, uh, I said, Hey, let's, why don't we head down to the bar and just kind of suss out, you know, my ideas and you tell me what you think, because she has absolutely no problem with being honest. And, uh, so we went down there, another friend of ours showed up and then her husband showed up and, uh, just, you know, it was, well, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? It's like, I want to talk about things that are uncomfortable, you know? And she's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, transgender stuff or and it's like no no like uncomfortable paranormal type things and she's like well then call it uncomfortable and i was like huh <laughs> huh good you're idea to, i think you're onto something by cracky you know and uh i mean you know the the inception of it was you know i wanted to talk about things that i thought were uh, possibly going to make people who are listening uncomfortable because it might go against their beliefs or challenge their beliefs. And then I thought that possibly guests that I would have on would be uncomfortable talking about their experiences, you know, and it just seemed to be played into everything. And, uh, you know, I, what I wasn't expecting was that at one point in 
pretty early on that I was going to become extremely uncomfortable with, with the situation that I had gotten into. And, you know, so it, you know, and the thing is, you know, I'm going to be two years old, uh, middle of February, February 14th, actually the show will be two years old. And the number of people that have reached out to me to tell me how comfortable my conversations are and how they feel like they're just walking into a room and sitting down and listening to two friends talk, you know, that that's a weird dichotomy for me because it was supposed to be uncomfortable, but so many people have like said, it's because of my, my voice and the way I talk, I guess that they become very comfortable with, uh, with the situation. And, you know, I get that from guests, I get that from listeners. So, you know, God blessed me with a, a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good pipes, I guess. So <laughs> you do have, you do have one of those sultry FM radio voices that, that just kind of sets the tone and the ambiance yeah. and just the whole <laughs> stage. Is Apparently, uh, is, one of our guests, it's uncomfortably soothing. Yeah. <laughs> one of our guests told me I sound like a fat guy, so <laughs> I don't even know how you sound like a fat guy, but apparently I sound like a fat guy. Uh. <laughs> but no, that's, uh, that, well, that's really great. And I think that's important too. And the reason I think that, that that's important is you know, the, the topics are sometimes uncomfortable mm-hmm. and the experiences from the experiencers point of view are definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. hundred percent. But when you open up platforms, like we've opened up here with, with your show, with our show, with a lot of other shows out there, you set this, this place, this platform, and you, you start building this community of people to where people are comfortable coming on because for once they're sitting down talking to people, they're in a situation in a setting to where people sitting around, aren't going to think they're crazy. They're not going to think they're just making junk up. They're not, you know, it's a lot of these stories just aren't something you can go sit down at Sunday dinner with your family and just bring up without, you know, you being the the crazy uncle and you got to get back out the door. So absolutely. Even though it is uncomfortable, it's a comfortable spot for these people that experience the uncomfortable. And that's yeah. what I love about it, dude. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, so I've, you know, I've pretty much had, I've had weird shit happen to me for, you know, the better part of my life. Um, it, it's not something that happens every day. It's not something that, you know, on a weekly basis, I'm going into my journal and saying, well, I was approached by an alien today. And, you know, it's not like that, but, you know, over the course of, you know, starting, starting at being obsessed with UFOs by five, you know, I mean, like literally obsessed with, I could not get enough information on UFOs. That was 1970 guys. That's awesome. There was no, there was no streaming. There was no internet. There was, you know, I had a, if, if by chance there was, you know, something on the news when my parents were watching the news about a UFO sighting or, you know, once in a while when, uh, in search of would be on, you know, that was, that was the crux of what I was getting, you know? So, you know, I went through a lot of years of wanting to talk about this stuff and getting the eye rolls and getting the, 
oh man, come on, you know, that shit ain't real and you know, all that stuff. So yeah, absolutely. You know, when I decided to, when I decided to put my feet to the pavement on this thing, it was definitely going to be a non-toxic safe environment to come on and talk about your experience. And the thing that I thought, you know, obviously, obviously my interest was there, but I thought one of the things that I had going for me was, you know, I haven't experienced everything, but I've experienced several, several things to a, to a degree that, you know, kind of makes you scratch your head. So it's like, not only are you talking to somebody who's got genuine, genuine interest in this, but I have an understanding of where you're at. I understand how you feel in your shoes when you want to talk about this stuff and you have nobody to talk to about it. Yeah. I think that's huge. That's really huge. You know, that's, and I'm kind of in the same vein as you there, you know, I've had a, I won't say a lifetime, but I've had quite a few paranormal experiences throughout my life, you know, dotted here and there. And, you know, I think being an experiencer, just like we were talking about and not having those people to talk to. And, and some of these experiences that I had, Lance was there. Like we went to school together. We were bros. Like we were tight, tight. And Lance thought I was crazy. I mean, legit would tell me, Justin, you're, you're crazy. Like just Lance. you're looking, you're looking into this stuff too much, but you know, I mean, it's one of those things you, you grow and he, he came to find out later on that, um, you know, I was, I was being honest. I was telling the truth. Yeah. But, I had a moment it, with him, Eric, where I was like, okay, all right, uh, let's get out of here. I believe you, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up and had none of these experiences. Right. Yeah. And it came from a very traditional Christian family. Not, not that we didn't believe in these things because we did. We we have to, right? Because in, you know, in our Christian faith, it's, it's it's hugely supernatural. We just didn't really talk about it a whole lot, like UFOs and aliens and Bigfoot and stuff. Like it just didn't come up in conversation. It wasn't that we didn't believe it or didn't think it could be possible. It just wasn't something that we really talked about a whole lot. Um, right. So I've never had any of these experiences. And then I've got you know my best friend here going through some stuff. To me, seems totally and entirely just crazy off the wall. And was coming to school and telling us this stuff and me being, you know, just the one thing that Justin and I have always in our relationship, we've always had is like, we've called each other on our BS. Like if I thought he was giving me some, uh, feeding me a line, I would tell him that if he thought I was doing the same, it's kind of, we've always held each other really accountable. That's why we've been such good friends for so long. So when he came to me with this stuff, there's no way, like you're sleep deprived. You just had a baby. You're 17 years old. Like there's no way you're dealing. You're, you've got a lot of other stuff going on. That's causing this stuff. Right. And he was just adamant. No, this is going on. This is going on. So eventually talked me into coming up and hanging out with him. And then we had an experience to get there. And I was like, okay, listen, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Like, you're definitely dealing with this. Uh, well, and then we kind of the- drifted apart and I didn't, like, I still, like, I don't, I don't have, or haven't had, a ton of these, what I would call paranormal experiences, right? This is what's kind of wild though. As we have started this podcast, there has been a whole lot more stuff that has, I've been more aware of that probably was going on the whole time. I just was never looking for it. Right. And we've said this, that the more you look for stuff, the more you find stuff, right? If I'm just looking for a red car, I'm going to see a whole bunch of red cars. There are always red cars there. I just wasn't looking for them. And now I've been, more involved in this weird paranormal world, just where we've 
And like Justin and I've always had these conversations, right? And and we've always talked about this crazy stuff. But it, to me, it was just one of those things like it was fun to talk about. It was fun to have a bunch of conjecture about. It's awesome to argue about. But it was never actual life, real life experiences. And I started podcasting with these boys. And I've got a wife who is a total skeptic and listens to me talk about this stuff. And now we're experiencing some of these things together. Like, and it's just happening more and more frequently to the point where she's like, uh, Lance, uh, do you see that up there? And I'm like, yeah, let's not look at it. Just keep driving. Like, it's, there's more of those things kind of happening more and more now as this has gone on. And it, it's made me more aware of something that I knew was already there. I always knew it was there. I just never really paid attention to it. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that once you started getting into this, you start having some experiences that are becoming undeniable because even though I've had a number of things throughout my life that led me to start doing this since I've been doing it, it has, it, it has increased tremendously. Um, you know, I was, <laughs> so I, I've got a, I don't know what you guys thoughts on psychics are, but I can tell you there are, there are a lot of hoaxers out there. There's a lot of them that they fish. They look at social media. They pull stuff off your Facebook before they ever even talk to you. And they, they, you know, they start throwing out these questions and, you know, there's a science behind the way they do it, but there's some real ones out there too. And they're good people. And I've happened to, to come across three of them in the course of my doing this that have absolutely floored me with what they've been able to tell me. And here's the thing. You can, you can do a deep dive on me. I'll give you my name, how you spell my last name. I'll give you my address. You can find out that I was married for 20 years. I got divorced. I've had, I've built three different houses. I've lived in four different locations uh, all around the same area. South Bend, Indiana, Niles, Michigan. Uh, I got two kids, you know, probably even find out that I had three dogs at one time, but I don't post to the social media. Um, I'm not wishing my kids birth, happy birthday every time. I'm not, Oh my God, my kid farted today. And it's such a blessing. You know, um, I don't have to check in when I walk into the kitchen on Facebook. It's like, Oh my God, I'm in my kitchen now. And now I'm in my living room. You know, I don't do that stuff. Um, so there's not much out there about me and like the experiences that I've had as far as psychic stuff to me is a very personal thing. And it's not something that I've ever talked about on an episode because those are, they're, they're telling you things that are very personal to you. They're telling you things that are related to people that you loved ones that have, that have moved on um, possibly things that uh, are in your closet that you don't want anybody to know about, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I've got, I've gotten a, you know, really lucky to be able to talk to three of them. And here's the thing. If I have them on the show, their standard response is, thanks so much for having me on the show. You know, I really appreciate you getting my name out there. And, you know, 
at a later date, would you be interested in letting me kind of repay it by doing a reading for you? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Because like right after my divorce, I was dating a woman. She took me out to dinner. We went to a beach town that was along Lake Michigan and uh, we left, we left dinner. We were walking down to the beach and we passed this place that had a little, literally had a little wood shingle that said psychic readings, on it, you know? And she said, Oh my God, when we come back through here, we're, we're, that's what we're doing. I'm buying that for your birthday. And I said, Oh, fine. All right, let's do it. So we came back through, we went upstairs, knocked on the door and I had one of those little peepholes in the door, you know, and you could see the light got blocked out. Somebody was looking through it and it had an open sign on the door, but they wouldn't open the door. And so I knocked again and again, you could see somebody blocked the light, but they would never open the door. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. You know, you would think if they already had somebody in there, they were doing a reading, they would have taken the sign off the door or, you know, said, you know, come back in an hour or whatever with client. And I was like, oh, they must not want to talk to me, you know? So we left. And then, uh, I don't know, a couple of years later, I was at some kind of, a, um, some kind of a conference. It was a culmination of like Bigfoot and psychic and ghost and all, it was all just conglomeration of all this stuff. And, uh, I walked up with, uh, another woman who was part of the group that I was with and we walked up to this other, and I was like, I'm going to get a reading, you know, just for shits and giggles and I walked up and the lady looked up at me and she looked at the girl and she looked back at me and she goes, I'm sorry, honey, I'm not going to give you a reading. She said, she pointed at the girl. She said, I'll do you, but I'm not reading you. And I was like, what the hell? I said, can I ask you why? And she's like, I'd rather not get into it. Now at that point, I'm like, what the, what have I got? You know, what's, what's wrong going, with me? What's going around with me? You know, um, you know, and it wasn't something that really bothered me a lot, but it always kind of, when it came up, it kind of always bothered me that, you know, it's like, why, you know, so when I had the opportunity with these three ladies, I was like, hell yeah. And, you know, Karen Tatro out of uh, the East coast, she was, uh, I want to say New Hampshire, I think. Um, she blew me away with some of the things that she talked about. Um, then, and like I said, this was off air. This was just, this was personal stuff between her and I. And then, um, a while back I uh, interviewed, uh, an archbishop for the Episcopalian old Catholic church in Chicago, Illinois, Christina Rake. Um, she is a, she's a professor at a local college in, in the Chicago area. She teaches angelology, demonology, theology. She is a, she's an archbishop in the, in the old Catholic church. You know, I mean, it's like the woman has put time in, you know, you don't, you don't just get to that with, with not having, yeah. you know, 30 years of, of religious studies behind you. And the really interesting about it is she was also a paranormal investigator. She wrote a book called the God and paranormal because, you know, like it's funny because Lance, you said, you know, we grew up Christian, you know, you have to believe in the supernatural, you know, that's what the, the book is all about. Well, not for everybody. 
for sure. Because I know, I know Christians here in the Midwest who are like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, that shit has not uh, got anything to do. And it's like your whole book is, <laughs> is about supernatural events. Yeah. Growing you know? up in my house in a Pentecostal church, that's what my mom and everybody went to. So you'd be at home and your mom and dad telling you there's no such thing as ghosts. That that shit is stupid. And then you go to church and all they talk about is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait different. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I had she during her reading, she brought up the same descriptions of the spirits that I had around me that Karen did. Hmm. And there was one in particular that both of them hit on tall, thin, long hair kind of looks like Jesus, but it's not whistles. When he comes in, this is Karen whistles as he enters into her, um, into her perception where she can actually like feel him. She hears this whistle that he's doing. And it's like he's whistling a tune, basically. Um, as he comes in, super, super mellow dude. Almost sounds like he, you know, like, uh, like borderline on on the being a hippie, you know, just by the way she described his his mannerisms and his actions and stuff. So she describes that to him to me, and then after uh, the archbishop did her reading with me. She describes the same guy. And I was like, I got chill bumps all over me. And I was like, um, you know, and, and one of the key features was that um, Karen told me what color his eyes were. And I said, Christina, can you see his eyes? And she said, yeah. She says, they're the brightest, most beautiful blue eyes. And she says, I hear music. I hear music with him. Now, she didn't say whistling, but she heard music with him. Hmm. And I was like, come on. And she said, Karen said she kept getting the P, the letter P as part of his name. Couldn't, couldn't hear it. Couldn't see, you know, it was, she was just getting a strong P. Christina says, yeah, his name is Peter, Peter, Pietro, something like that. And then not too awful long ago, about a month and a half ago, I do a, um, an episode with, uh, JJ Rose, who is a light worker and, you know, she's just a, another terrific, terrific woman. Um, she's talking to me about Pitor. P I E T O R. Tall, lanky, long hair wearing a white puffy shirt or white robe, couldn't really see his legs. So she didn't know how far it went down. Um, he seems to have like a choir with him, like the, the sound of a choir with him, you know, so there's music again and the descriptions, all three of those women hit on the same description and all three of the women said the same thing. He is a guardian and he pulled your ass out of, he saved your ass. She hmm. said, were you in a, she says, I, I literally see him pushing a truck out of the way. And I was like, man, I, you know, I don't, 
And then it dawned on me. I don't know how I wasn't thinking about this, but I, 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 I do understand the rational rationale of why I was thinking about it. Wasn't thinking about it. Two Christmases ago, three Christmases now, um, I had gone to, um, my daughter really enjoyed this, um, this, uh, sangria that I had had at the house. And she says, Oh, can we have some of that for Christmas? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. Well, um, Christmas was on a Sunday and in Indiana liquor stores were closed on Sunday. It was Christmas Eve. I'm sorry. Um, was on a Sunday and liquor stores were closed and I was like, shit, I forget to get the sangria. So I ran up over the state line into Michigan, which was open on Sundays. And I went up to a liquor store up there. They didn't have the sangria. I was like, eh, you know, I just bought something else, got in the car, pulled out, crossed two lanes of traffic to get in the turn lane to head, head South to go back home. And as soon as I got into the turn or the turn lane heading South, uh, an SUV was just barreling through and just tore the front end of my car off, just ripped it off, totaled the car, but nothing happened to me. I didn't get scratched. I didn't get a, I, my neck didn't hurt, you know? So it was not a, it never registered to me as like being like a catastrophic accident. Right. Yeah. It was like, I mean, the car, the car barely moved when it got hit. When I got out, it was like, Oh, it's because of the plastic bumper and all, you know, how cheap shit is made nowadays. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it didn't really register until I started thinking about it. And it's like, I got hit by that, that trailblazer and it totaled my car. You know, if, if I would have been at a slightly different angle or a foot further into the lane with as hard as they hit me, you know, things might've been different. So I start thinking, it's like, well, shit, is she talking about that? I mean, is that why, is that why nothing was, it wasn't a big deal. Is that why I walked away from it without even a, a scratch? Yeah. I mean, you that's, know? that's possible. That's possible. Eric, Eric I've got a couple questions, Justin, before you jump into what you yeah. I got, I got, got a couple questions and these yeah. are questions are solely for my own personal backlog of information that I just want to follow away when we have conversations like this. Okay. Sure. So all three of these psychics yeah. um, have described this benevolent, this, this, this friendly, essentially yep. spirit, right? Guardian That's angel is basically guardian angel. Right. So we've, yeah. we, you, you, so your assumption of this is, is that this is a guardian angel that has, that obviously is at, at this moment, you're obviously, Protected you from yeah. this, having a pretty tragic crash, right? Yeah. And that's that, as of now. That's your kind of your working theory, your working idea of what this is, correct? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Has this was this something that were there other moments looking back now in your life where you kind of thought, you know what? I wonder if that wasn't a moment in which he's kind of influenced things to help me as well. Do you have the? Uh, do you have any more of those instances? You know, you it's weird that you, it's weird that you ask me that because now I'm getting chills. Um, because yeah, I had a, I had a pretty, I had a pretty bad accident, you know, and that's the, here's the thing. They always talk about like time on, on the opposite side of our reality on, you know, once you, I guess the best thing would be like on the other side of the veil, time is not a, it's, it's not a, it doesn't, it's not a construct anymore. So time is on the water, man. Yeah. So, you know, looking back on it now, I was like, 
I was either 18 or 19 and I was going out on a date and I was just, we were at a stoplight. I was like the fourth car in line at the stoplight. And I was telling the girl that I was on my date with that I had just gotten a raise at work. And all of a sudden you hear these tires squealing. And it was, I looked over at her and I was, Oh shit. Not thinking that it was us, but you know, somebody's tires were just squealing like crazy breaking. And then all of a sudden, bam, I got hit in the back and I wound up in the back seat of my car. My driver's seat broke and I wound up in the back seat of my car. She wound up underneath the, um, the dashboard in front of her seat. And I got out of the car and I looked back in the car. I said, are you okay? And she was like holding her knee because her pants got ripped and she was bleeding a little bit. She's like, no, I'm okay. And I turned around and I walked back to the car that hit us and its hood was literally like from the windshield. It, it was like from the windshield, it went straight up and then straight back down to the front of the car. And there was all kinds of fluids leaking out and everything. And the guy's in the car and he's just going, you know, trying to start the car. And I got over to his window. I'm like, dude, stop. I said, I have no idea what that fluid is, but you know, last thing we want is a spark. And he kept doing it and he kept doing it. And he looked out the window and he's like, man, I got out of here. I got out of here. And I was like, Oh, you mother, you drunk ass punk bitch. And I reached in, I grabbed the keys. I pulled them out. And I grabbed him by the collar of his shirt and I started pulling him out of his window. And she says, Eric, stop. The cops are coming through the, because there was a gas station right there on the corner. She says, the cops are here. They're coming through the gas station. And I looked at him. I'm like, you're lucky. He ended up, they put us in the same cop car. My girlfriend and I were in the back seat of the cop car. The guy who hit us was in the front seat, passenger seat as he was getting his statement. And the dude literally passed out while the cop was asking him questions. He was a drunk Notre Dame university law student. He was, he was going to school to be a lawyer and yeah, he, you know, so yeah, that was a pretty severe accident. Now looking back at it, but again, I didn't get hurt at all. You know, she got a scratch, a small cut on her knee and tore a pair of jeans, but <laughs> Seems like Pator didn't give a shit about her. That was yeah. <laughs> just looking out never, for his homeboy. Honestly, you know, Lance, I never thought about that. That there was something else. Yeah. So it all this this concept always fascinates me, right? Because we we're all aware aware that angels are obviously you know, if we believe in the supernatural things and believe in supernatural beings, that guardian angels are a a, a folklore or a entity that has been spoken about since mm-hmm. the beginning of human history, right? Every, you always, you, you can buy charms or pendants to stick in your vehicles mm-hmm. or stick on your, on your, on your uh, sun visor or whatever that has guardian angel. It, it's been a story or a thing that has been talked about probably for as long as, you know, as history has been, you know, we, we've talked about those type of things yeah. and there are so many accounts very much just like yours, right? Of which yeah. you have, a psychic or somebody has said, you've got, there's this, there's a, there's an entity around you that just, it seems friendly and it seems helpful. And then there's accounts to back up. Like, you know, I've had these wrecks or had these 
things yeah. which I probably should have been hurt and I wasn't. And it, of course, in the middle of that, there's no way you're thinking it's regarding an angel who protected you, but begin to look back on it. And there's some serious yeah. evidence for not only them being real, but them literally intervening in supernatural ways mm-hmm. to make sure the people are either not hurt badly or completely protected. Right. Yeah. Which then leads me to say that hey, there's obviously a higher being up there that's watching out for the humankind that I think he created. Right. And it, it just leads more to a there's there's I think every human has a vacuum in us that needs to be filled with the spiritual to help us become more complete in who we are. And I think these accounts and having that having you know, these real life accounts of these things just leads more information to that that way, if that makes sense. Now, here's the interesting thing, and this may be shocking to you. It may not be. Um, so I was born and raised Catholic. Okay. Till about the age of 13 or 14, I had my first communion and I got baptized when I was baby. Um, I got my confirmation and, you know, and, you know, we would, we'd go to church and you'd be in the, you'd be in the pews with the the neighbors from your neighborhood who wouldn't talk to you or didn't want anything to, you know, they they didn't want you walking across their grass or, you know, you know, but yet they were there and they would shake your hands and be peace be with you. And, you know, everybody's got smiles and everything. But then when you walk out of church, they, you know, they don't talk to you again. And, you you, don't, you know, it, so it became really obvious to me at a, at a young age that there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of horror shit going on. And, uh, you know, I can remember going out and getting the mail for my mom and dad. And there'd be a there'd be an envelope in the in the mail once a month, maybe, maybe it was twice a month, but you know, that thing was a half inch thick. And when you opened it up, it had like 20 other envelopes and it was, you know, they wanted money for the Haitian boat people and they wanted this for the refugees and they wanted this for money for, you know, this, uh, across over in Kenya and they wanted this for this. And they, you know, it was money, 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 money. And I can remember and I mean, not specifically, but I can remember my dad and my mom were just basically, you know, like get pretty disenchanted by, you know, you go there and they're passing around the the basket and they want money. And then they're sending envelopes to the house. They want money and all that. And, you know, when I went to go get married, um, I went to our, our church that we had belonged to and the woman at the time that I was engaged to, she said she would go through the conversion to be Catholic. So we'd get married in the Catholic church and we had a meeting set up with the priest and we went to go to the meeting and this little old lady comes walking through the rectory, you know, in her clip cloppy shoes and her little dress. And she's like, Oh, hang on a second, honeys. I'll go get him. I'll go get father, whatever his name was. And then she comes back walking and her, her posture is completely different. You know, she's got her hands down in front of her together kind of has her head walking down while she's walking back slower and she gets back and she looks up at us and she is like, you know, I'm sorry, but father Bob says that they can't find any records of contributions 
to the church from your family for the past few years, and he doesn't think it'd be in the interest of the church to marry you. And I was like, what? You know, so that, that's, that was my fall away from conventional religion. Um, you know, later on in life, we tried going to the, the, uh, the, the large mega community, uh, Christian community church that we have about 20 minutes away from here. And I walked in and, you know, they literally have off duty police officers that are directing traffic because this place is so big and you go in there and, and there's these tubes like at a McDonald's play yard and you walk over to these tubes and you put your kids down the tubes and they go whirling down into the basement where they got like five different rooms and they got X boxes and they got uh, playstations and they got some guy in a robe sitting there freaking playing Kumbaya on the guitar and they got all this other shit going on that has really nothing to do with learning about God. Right. Um, it's all just keeping everybody excited. And, you know, the kids want to come back every week. Hell yeah. They go down the slide, you play Xbox, <laughs> you got some goofball and sandals playing a guitar. You know, I would certainly still be in church. <laughs> this guy's awesome. Yeah. You know, so, but then we go in for the, uh, the sermon. Right. And, it's big and they got this stage that has like a, a literal bridge that has like this little pond underneath it. And apparently at some point, you know, when you, you, you have to walk over the bridge and it signifies you crossing over to, to Christ. And, you know, I mean, it's like this really big show. Right. And I'm, I'm looking at, and there's like in between where everybody sits in this auditorium, um, there's, well, the first thing that I noticed is nowhere in this church did you see a crucifix? Did you see a an image of Christ? There was it was nothing. You know, it was like it was weird because I'd never been in a church. I've been in a bunch of different churches, you know, different denominations, and there was always some kind of indicator of, you know, Christ, right? Uh, but not here. But it was you know, Granger community Christian church. So it's like, this is weird, but I'm looking and there's, there's these two pods in between where the people are sitting. And on those pods are these $35,000 television news studio cameras with guys with the headsets on and, you know, the, the big cameras with the cranes and shit. And they're filming and and as the as the pastor walks out, this guy is wearing a twenty five hundred dollar silk suit. You know, I I dress in jeans and a t shirt, but I know good I I know good fashion. All right, yeah. and there's no way that 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 suit that that guy's wearing that's shining up there in those lights is not Italian silk. And I'm like, you fucking need that to talk to me about God. And I was like, yeah, I was really put off by the TV cameras and stuff. And then I started wondering, it's like, you know, what's going on with my kids, man? I got my, my kids are down there with people. I don't even, I never even met yet. We get done and we walk out and they have such a, such a system there that that camera crew 
was feeding live video to DVD duplicators in real time. And by time we were walking out to the grocery or walking out to the parking lot, there's a there's a coffee house in there, like very similar to Starbucks, where you could get your coffee before you leave. But you could also buy a DVD of the sermon that you just sat through not 10 minutes ago. Yeah. That's and I'm like, what has this got to do with God? This has got to do with money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why, I don't know why I got mm-hmm. into that, but, um, you know, I guess, I guess to say that I have fallen away from conventional religion, um, you know, but yet when we talk about the possibility of a, a guardian angel, Lance, I don't think that. I don't think any less of that idea because I'm not in a church that we're, you know, we're worshiping God. My, my, my personal relationship with our creator. And I, and I use that because I think there's, there's too many religions throughout the world who have, have twisted things and they have turned things into their own agenda to suit man, mankind as a race to suit their agenda that they have fallen away from what it is to actually, at least here in the Midwest where you guys are from, it might be completely different. I don't know. No, uh, sir. It's not. Airport, so, I mean, it's, it's not, not to, not, not to completely come to a, to a stop here um, and not to get super churchy because we don't do that here. I could and like to, but I won't. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But what you are describing as in man-made religions to completely entirely warp what I would consider the, the message of our creator is I am 100% in agreement with you. Mm-hmm. And when I have religious talks or what I would call Christian or churchy talks on here, um, I always preface this by saying like, this is not the, 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 religion air quote religion mm-hmm. that I follow is nothing. It's not a religion at all. It, it's simply the, the relationship that I have with, I think my creator is and my savior is, and it's, it looks nothing a lot of times like any church anywhere. Right. Cause yeah. I think that at the core when, when Christ came and, and started his message, right. There was nothing. He was against all of those man-made religions. That, that's kind of what he was and what he did. And I asked those questions, and I'm glad I got you into this discussion because I can tell there's 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 a, you're, you're you're a very deep thinker. You've thought a lot about these things, yeah. and I'm glad to kind of turn to this because I think in the point I was wanting to get to is I think that guardian and this is totally my this is what I would call Lanceyism. It's totally my theory. Okay, it may take it at face value. It may be complete and total utter poppycock to everybody else. This is what I think. I think the guardian angels that, that, that people have, I think they're very real. Um, and I think they are uh, exposed themselves into physical realms to help people much, i.e. like you have described to us twice tonight. I think those are ways in which God, the creator, uses those guardian angels for people like us that that have had maybe 
I would don't want to say bad experiences, but know that there's something else there, but aren't really sure exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That that's a way for him to kind of say, "Hey, I know you're trying to figure it out. I know you know something's there. Here's a nudge. Here, here's some help. Here's to let you know that hey, yeah, I do. I am, I am here. I do care, and I want you know. I want you want this." have this relationship with you or whatever. That's what I, that is my working theory on what guardian angels are. I, you never hear an experience. And I, and I, and I get, I've read a lot of these because it's one of those things that fascinates me. You rarely ever hear an experience of a guardian angel um, from someone who is a complete and total agnostic or a complete and total atheist. Yeah. Because to them, there's, there's no concept of that. Um, but somebody who's had, some ideas or maybe some experiences. You grew up Catholic. I grew up in a, what I would call a traditional Christian church. You grew up in a traditional Catholic church. Um, and there's some differences there. We won't get into that stuff. But I think that then have had fallen away from that or, or had these like, there's, there's something wrong with this picture of what this religion is. But I know there's at least some basis to it. Yeah. I think those guardian angels are kind of there to kind of help us navigate a lot of times some of those questions and some of those ideas that we have. Right. And that's why I, I think the, the, the concept and, and, and I always, when I hear, when I hear people talking about guardian angels, I always have questions because I think it's such a fascinating way in which our creator kind of helps us yeah. give us physical evidence of him when we can't really see him, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so I'll go on to say this. That, you know, my, where I'm at now, as far as my belief, I, I believe in a creator. I'm not, and, and I see, I have this conversation with this guy at work who is a hardcore Christian, every word of the Every word of the Bible is exactly what it says. And if it's not the Bible, it doesn't exist and it never will. And it, there can't be anything outside of that book. I disagree. And so then we have conversations and we're able to do it in a, in a manner sometimes it gets heated, but we can still walk away being friends and just, you know, it, it's one of those few people nowadays that you can, you can disagree with and you don't get canceled out, you know? So, um, <laughs> that's my, you know, I, relationship. I, I came, <laughs> I came into work one morning and, and he said, um, Hey, I just wanted you to know that I prayed for you last night. I didn't even have my coat off yet. man. and I was like, thank you. Um, can I ask about what, <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, he's like, I don't think you're going to make it. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, the judgment day, he's like, I'm afraid you're going to get left behind. And I said, wow, I haven't even taken my fucking coat off yet. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, um, He's like, well, you know, you, you haven't, he, he was making an assumption and I'm going to leave it vague because I, my religious beliefs, I don't think have a ton to be, it, it doesn't have any bearing on what we talk about. Um, he says, you haven't accepted Christ into your life. 
you're going to get left behind. No matter how good of a dad you've been, no matter how steadfast of a husband you were, no matter how good of a worker you are, no matter how many times you've tried to do good for other people, he's like, you haven't accepted Christ in your life. You're going to get left behind. And I said, well, shit, that sucks. <laughs> I said, man, I hope your God isn't my God. <laughs> and he, he looked at me like, like truly befuddled. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, man, if this happens, relax, because mine won't leave you behind. And he was like, he had no idea what to say. And, you know, I got, I got angry at that point. I was like, you're, you're starting my day off bad and and i can i can keep this going all day so you know you're picking the wrong guy to have a conversation with because i can do this shit for hours man um but you know i was like i I let it go for a day or two and i i went back up to him and i said you know listen i said you know you you put your you put all your belief in this box right and you know if it's not in the bible then it's it's utterly not worth talking about. And I said, what you don't understand is that my God has allowed for there to be extraterrestrials, ultra terrestrials, Bigfoot ghosts. It's allowed people to have interactions with spirits that have fucking moved on from our realm into the realm of where your God lives. And they could still have contact with us. I said, do you see what I'm saying here? My God, my, my creator is so much more than what you're giving your God credit for. And he just, he would not hear it, you know, and it's, it's, it's not argument of semantics or anything. It's just like, he, he is the, he is the typical person who has has a void in their life and has filled it with a religion that in, in his understanding of the Bible, isn't even an accurate understanding of the Bible. What his understanding of the Bible is, is what his preacher has told him it is. Now that preacher was taught by some other guy who told him what he thought his belief of the Bible is, you know, the fact of sitting there and reading the Bible and getting a good understanding of it, You know, if you guys are Christians, I'm sure you've read your Bible. It is not the easiest book in the world to read. It is not the easiest book in the world to interpret if you read, if you try reading the original text, you know, so at what point, you know, through the different iterations of how many times it's been condensed and, and different books have been admitted and omitted and, and the, you know, man has constructed the Bible that we have now. Okay, I'm not disagreeing that it's the word of God, but they've they've boiled it down to something that may not, I'm not saying it's not, but may not be exactly what it was to begin with. Well, it's something that we talked about on here just a couple episodes ago about how I think it was actually with the Silver Peel guys about how you have so many and it is it's it, it, 
it's exactly what you're talking about, Eric, is the reason that so many people, including myself, strayed away from the church and from religion, if religion and all that stuff for years and years and years is because you do have these you have these traditions. You have this for exactly what it is, is as religion instead of a relationship, instead of a personal understanding of Mm -hmm. your God, of your savior. So that's what pushes so many people away is you have all these people who don't have a clear understanding of what the Bible actually says, who do believe that, oh, if it's not in this Bible, then it can't be real. It doesn't exist. Well, it's just like, and Ryan actually made the statement, you know, during that conversation, the Bible's meant to be a roadmap back to God. The Bible's meant to be yeah. a roadmap to Christ. That doesn't mean that God can't, my God, just like yours, is big enough to do whatever he wants to do, to create whatever he wants to create. And just because he didn't deliver that word to somebody to jot down that eventually ended up in the Bible, doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean it can't be out there. I mean, Christians, the the modern day church, you believe that a man came down from the thrones of heaven, took on human form, 100% man, 100% God, performed a ministry, performed miracles, went to a cross, died on that cross, and took all the way to the sins of the world, past, present, future, all the way to the sins of the world on his shoulders, was buried in a borrowed tomb, resurrected three days later, and ascended back to heaven. That's the most supernatural thing that you can ever hear, ever. <laughs> that's the most super, that's the biggest paranormal story. If somebody sat down, if, if somebody sent me an email today and said, bro, look, I was following this guy for a while, for like three years, man. And then all of a sudden they killed him because he was preaching the, the truth. And dude, they, they buried him. I seen his dead body. They buried him. And then he come back, man. He come back and he was so glorified that I didn't even recognize him at first. And then I watched him ascend into, into heaven. That'd be the craziest story out there. But you have, you the know, modern, oh, go ahead. You have the modern day church that believes that wholeheartedly but then can't believe that somebody's made contact or somebody's spoken to an entity or somebody explains an an abduction experience. So, I mean, it is, it's, you know, it's a, it's a weird kind of thing that, that people go with and they get stuck in this little box. And, and it's just like you said, it's because a lot of people don't have their own understanding of what it is to have a personal relationship. Yeah. You know, and I guess I'll, I'll say this and then we can move off of the religion thing. If you want, um, you know, it's like how many religions throughout the world that are, are known well enough to us that we, we can, I mean, there's, there's how many religions in this world, <laughs> the majority of them all have a flood event. The majority of them all have some sort of a resurrection event. They, they, they all have a central figure. You know, there are so many commonalities between religions that it's my opinion that you have to be willfully ignorant 
not to understand that it all came from the same story, right? It all came from the same event. You know, there were, you know, 50 people standing around when, when this event happened and they were like, Oh shit, I got to go tell my people about it. And one guy jumps on a camel and another guy jumps on a horse and the other guy gets in a boat and another guy gets on, you know, and they all go off to their old tribes and tell them the story. Well, they can't get there. You know, the horse dies, the camel runs out of steam. So they got to tell somebody else who's got fresh animals. You got to take it to our people. You got to tell them what happened. Well, it's that telephone game when you sit down in kindergarten and you're in a circle and somebody says something in your ear and you got to pass it around to each person. And when it comes back around, it ain't the same story. Right. So, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I think that's what happened. You know, simplifying it to a huge degree. Yeah. But there's so many similarities throughout the world in, in the different religions. And then when you introduce man, we fuck shit up daily. Amen. We are, we are terrible people. We're a terrible, we're a plague on this planet. We, we destroy resources. You know, we're terrible to each other. Um, You know, we do bad things. We create wars. We steal, we, you know, I mean, we're terrible. So you, when you introduce us into taking hold of something that somebody's going to believe in and say, oh, all right, if I do this, I can control a lot of people by these words and I can scare them. I can incite fear and I can get them to fall in line. And then, you know, next thing you know, you got a small little nation of people that are listening to this one guy who had the brains to take something that was important and turn it and put it into his own narrative. You know, and I think that's what happened with a lot of things. All that being said, my personal personal relationship with the creator and whatever that creator is, I'm good with, you know, and this is going to sound silly, but, I honestly think if if God, what what we consider to be God, is extraterrestrial, a higher life form, the highest life form that could possibly be, and we were its creation, you know, I don't think that falls that far outside of the same uh, guidelines of what the Bible says. You know, I just I'm taking away the 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 old dude with the big white beard sitting on a throne. <laughs> and replacing it with, you know, something else. And, you know, as long as you have a belief in something larger and something infinitely more good than what we are and what we're capable of doing or being, you know, I think that belief is, is what you need. I think that's enough to, you know, to have that, that belief system and, and you can armor yourself, your spiritual armament against negativity and against negative entities and against the bad things in this world, the things that we can see and the things that we can't see. I think that's what's important. You know, I don't, I don't care if you're Christian. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Protestant. You know, as long as you're a good person and your heart's in the right place and you're, you're doing things for the better. You know, if you have, if you have a belief, 
you know, that's, that's the thing. I just, you know, some people that don't believe in anything, I'm not going to say I pity them because I don't pity them, but I kind of feel bad that they don't have something that they can wrap their head around. You know, I mean, maybe God's a Bigfoot, right? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the, the two to 300 Bigfoot in each state is all that's left over of the real God's people. And we're just like some kind of, you know, and this is the other thing. Yeah, that's a joke, by the way, but <laughs> I don't want anybody listening to this saying, oh, this fucking guy thinks God's a Bigfoot. We're going to um, turn that into a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, put that on TikTok, will you? I caught him a uh, mushroom once. <laughs> but, you know, when you think about, you know, like when the when the Bible was written, our understanding back at that time, what were we capable of? understanding with our our brains we had no idea about technology back then you know a cell phone or a computer would have blown somebody's mind they would have been like ah! you know so what were they capable of understanding back then so i think what was written was written with the understanding that this is what people are capable of consuming digesting and understanding you know i my guess is that it was dumbed down considerably well, technology always looks like magic to a primitive people, right? You know, and, and talking about technology, you know, again, today for us, technology is a cell phone that we have every answer we could possibly need within 10 seconds of Googling it, which Google, by the way, was funded by the CIA and the NSA and it's inception. For sure. Um, just a little tidbit there for you. Anybody that didn't know, look it up. You can find it. It's super easy to find. You can, you can um, Google it. You know, <laughs> technology. <laughs> technology is my roadcaster sitting here in front of me with, you know, 40 different lights on it and and level bars and everything. So I can see that everything sounds good. And technology is being able to see you guys when you're way out there in BFE, right? <laughs> but, sure. you know, technology to people 12,000 years ago. 6,000 years ago, you know, when you look at these monolithic temples that have these, the construction where these stones literally are like jigsaw cut perfectly to fit together with no, with no relief between them. We don't understand it. We can't duplicate it, but there was a technology that did that. Now, whether it was little aliens with ray guns or whether it was some kind of uh, a particle beam energy weapon, you know, from, from gods that little G gods that aren't from here, you know, who knows, but technology, I think from what we were back then to what we are now, I actually think we're downgrading. I think there has been a de-evolution in the human form in the human brain than an actual evolution. Yeah. Now you're speaking our language. That's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I've been looking at moving these monolithic blocks by radio waves and sound frequencies and using courts and all this different stuff. It's well you look look at the look at the guy down in Florida in in what was it in the early nineteen thirties? Um the coral uh the coral castle. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever heard of that? Yep. Yep. That was one dude. He weighed like 109 pounds. 
He was from some freaking country. I don't even remember what the hell country it was. I mean, he was an immigrant. He worked by himself. He had three poles, three things that looked like telephone poles, and he had a little black box that hung up at the top of that. Nobody knows what was in that little black box. Yeah. He managed to build, construct, and move all that coral by himself. It's probably his lunch. You know, <laughs> <laughs> come up there, have a sandwich, come back down, go back to work. You know, and and it was <clears throat> apparently there were witnesses that at one point in time spoke with him, and he his basic he basically said he knew the secrets of how the pyramids were made. Yeah, and it goes back to like we were talking about with your guardian angel. All the witnesses would talk about him whistling. He would whistle yeah. at these yeah. different frequencies. And and yeah. watch these stones and these this coral and all this stuff move. It's crazy, man. It's I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I believe that we are just now beginning to get back to the technologies that possibly and maybe not in the same kind of ways. You know, I'm not saying that they had social media and and all this different stuff, all this negative crap that was going on in their life to bring them down. Oh, absolutely. I think their technology looked entirely different. Oh, yeah. You know, our version of technology is electronics, man. Yeah. You know, and, and lights and, and all that stuff. Their technology was a completely different beast. Yeah. It was something to be successful. It was something to create and to build, not to tear down and, and destroy. That's my belief. Yeah. But yeah, man, that was a man. That was a nice little. That was a nice little tangent. I love. I'm glad we got <laughs> yeah. into that conversation. Well, you know, you brought up you you brought up resonance and frequency and stuff like that, and that leads me into. We still have time, or you you want to? Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. You got all. Bro. You know, we that, got all. That leads me. That leads me into you know the stuff with Bigfoot, and you know Ron Moorhead is, is he wrote a book, uh, you know the the quantum, quantum Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yep. Um, that's a really good read, man. It's you know there's some heady stuff in there, so it's kind of. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm not willing to, you know, do the extra legwork to become a, a physicist just to read a book. But it's it's interesting that throughout, you know, my show, I've, I've gotten to at one point, my show was probably 50 50 Bigfoot and then the rest, all the other stuff. Um, I think it's it's a little less than that now. But, you know, Bigfoot is still a topic of mine that I absolutely love and, and hold dear. In fact, this last summer in uh, September, I hosted my first Bigfoot conference. It was called uh, Bigfoot and Brews. I held it at a brewery, which how, did, how can you get any better than that? Right. That's awesome. Oh, my and I, gosh. And I had Ron Moorhead was uh, was the speaker for me. Um, so, I, you know, my son and I, after it was over and done with my son and I got to take Ron to dinner. And you want to talk about a bucket list thing. I didn't even realize I had a bucket list, but sitting and having dinner with Ron Moorhead. And just talking about normal, normal stuff. Yeah. You know, that, that was crazy. That's all. Awesome. But, but this whole resonance of this frequency and vibration thing has really got me looking at things in, in a completely different way, because, you know, you have these people that report um, having an experience with seeing a Bigfoot, they call it cloaking, right? You know, mm-hmm. Oh, it turned into the predator, you know, and, that's a hard one to wrap your head around, right? That's, that's like, you know, people call it the woo and automatically, you know, a large portion of people dismiss that. Right. Yep. Um, but you've heard people talk about Bigfoot having the possibility because based on the Sierra sounds, when uh, Scott Nelson broke down that, 
um, that language and, and studied it for as long as he did and determined that there were morphing streams and exclamations and, you know, termination points in the sentences and that there were multiple beasts talking back and forth to each other. When you start, when you start looking at, and he says, it sounds like there's a possibility that they might have multiple vocal cords. So if you had something that had such a degree of uh, skill with their vocal cords and they had multiple sets of vocal cords, what if they were able to command frequency? What if they were able to affect us with their frequencies? What if they were able to produce an audible sound or maybe even not an audible sound because there were reports of people saying, you know, that there's uh, infrasound, infrasound with, with Bigfoot that if they're able to generate the loud roars, whoops, screams that we have heard recorded a hundred times, what if they can create a frequency that vibrates our body, that vibrates our vision and disrupts our vision? I don't think they cloak. I really don't. I don't think they're cloaking. I don't, I don't think they're turning into predators. But I think there's a possibility that they're able to affect the frequency in the localized area of where they're being seen. And it might change how we are perceiving them. And the way I bring and the reason I bring this up is because I spoke with a woman and God, I hope I can get her on the show. She's she just. <clears throat> I hope I can get her on the show, man, because she looked back at an area where she was a hundred percent sure that one, one or more were moving in on her and her son. And when she looked back at the area that she hunts a lot, she's very familiar with, it still was trees. It still had blue sky. It still had green leaves and stuff like that, but it looked different. It didn't look right. It looked changed. And, and, you know, that immediately made me start thinking if, if they're producing a frequency that can jack with our vision in order to disguise themselves, they're not actually cloaking or turning invisible, but they're changing our perception in a physical way by hitting us with a vibration or a frequency. And we can't, we can't make them out like what we should. Eric, we, we had this conversation about a month ago, Ron. Yeah. We were talking about, I don't even remember what the topic was at the time, but this is my, you're, this is my exact theory. You are speaking the exact, it's like, I'm almost, it, it, it's almost eerie. This you're well. speaking <laughs> the exact, exact theory that I have on why we can't see them. Um, I, I kind of have an concept of our irises and cones in our eyes can only see certain, uh, a certain amount of spectrum on, a, sure. on, on light spectrum, right? And the same with our ears. We can only hear certain frequencies. Exactly. And there are animals, a crow, for example, that can see a lot more of the light spectrum than we can. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard for me to think that these Bigfoot, um, much like a chameleon, can change its skin to blend into its environment. 
There, there is. It, it happens in our natural world. Exactly. They're not cloaking themselves, but they're for whatever reason we cannot see on the spectrum that they are in. Either if if it's in their fur, if it's in if 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 it's part of their a layer of skin that they have, they can mm-hmm. activate whatever. If it's some form of evolution that they have, we simply just they could very easily be standing right in front of us. We just can't see them. I went on. I went on to the example of I hunt with one of my buddies. And we didn't know this at the time, but he was red colorblind. He didn't even know it. So we shoot his first deer, right? And he's all fired up. And we go down to where we know he shot the deer at. And we can see in the, in the leaves the rustling of where the, the buck had taken off running. And we're looking around, can't see it. So we start obviously looking for a blood trail, right? So he's standing in the spot where it was shot. And I'm kind of moving around in a pattern, getting a little bit farther each time till we can find a blood trail. I don't know. I can't. I'm not seeing anything. I don't see any blood at all. So after I walk a pretty good, probably a thousand feet, I go walking back up to him. And I'm like, hey, do you see anything? Do you see anything? He's like, no, man, I've been looking everywhere. Well, I look down at his feet and he's standing in blood. Like he can't, he can't see, just couldn't see it because of the red wow. orange of the leaves at the fall yeah. time. And I was like, you're standing in, you're, there it is. You're standing there. I, I can't see it. So, it, which to me was holy crazy. Like, how could you not see that blood there? Yeah, he just couldn't perceive it because he was—he's red colorblind, right? Yeah, it makes total sense to me that these Bigfoot have a whatever it is, rather have a a trait that they have either evolved was part of their DNA all along that allows that, that we just can't simply perceive the spectrum they are on, and that's why we can't see them. Yeah, and you know, undeniably, they're they're masters of their domain, right? If they live. You know, I, I've used this analogy a bunch, but uh, I think it's really apropos to, to say it. Excuse me. We have been civilized for so long. We have had walls around us and windows that we can close and doors that we can lock. And we've had roofs over our heads. We don't have to worry about that extra sixth sense that, you know, some people still experience at times. Right. We didn't have to lay there at the edge of our fire ring with a spear and, and worry about some predator coming into our, into our camp and taking off with one of our children or taking off with our mate or anything like that. You know, we have, we don't need those senses anymore. So it only makes sense that throughout the length of time that we've been living a more comfortable life inside of huts and then, you know, and, and buildings and, and homes and stuff like that, it makes sense that we would lose that ability. You know, I think back then, if you were sleeping, <laughs> if you were sleeping with one eye open at the edge of your fire ring, I'm guessing that back then, you know, six, 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, whatever, um, we probably would have had a pretty good sense that there was a predator a couple of hundred yards away from us moving towards us. I think we would have had a very strong gut feeling that something was wrong and we would have went into a protective mode. We don't have that now. Yeah. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you'll be someplace and something doesn't seem quite square. And then all of a sudden, boom, shit pops off and you're like, I freaking knew it. You know, I had that stuff happen to me a lot when I was a bouncer. I got I got to the point where my sensibility as far as when somebody walked in after doing it for as long as I was doing it, I could tell what kind of drunk you were going to be. 
I could tell if you were going to be happy. I could tell if you were going to start shit with your girlfriend. I could tell if I was going to have to throw you out. You know, it just got to the beat. You know, and I'm not saying that that that's a psychic thing that I have. It was just I was that tuned into my environment. Yeah. You know, until this day, when I go someplace, if I go on a date or I go someplace with my kids, I always have to be positioned with my back to a wall and facing facing an entrance where I can see everything that's coming in. Yeah. And I don't even do it because I'm thinking about it. It's just that's how I am. It's you know, I've got a very protective nature, nature, and I don't know, man. It's just no. I know. think you're. I think you're right, and I can, I can fully jump on board with that. I was in corrections for uh, almost eight years, so I'm the same way. It's just your body is fine tuned to uh, to be aware of your surroundings, and because and you're think, in a heightened state of awareness, aren't you? Absolutely, all the I time. I think that's the key. Yep, yeah, and I think and that I, I think that goes along with experience experiencing some of the things on the 100%. other side of that veil 100 percent, being that hyper alert that state of awareness all the time constantly yep. looking at your surroundings constantly checking out the people that are, are around and involved and you know you were talking about 16 20,000 years ago you know being hyper alert and being able to know when a predator was there well who knows like how much you know waves and technologies and all this different stuff has has messed with that just the natural force fields of the earth like the natural mm-hmm. you want to call it a veil or, or whatever that's there who's to say that the veil wasn't a lot thinner then that the spiritual world and the physical world didn't interact or come in yeah. contact a whole lot more it's I, that it's, fucking 5g they put in the air man <laughs> We yeah, can't, we can't sense anything anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we are. Fucking I mean, we're, 5G. we're in a dumbed down state, man. We are in a dumbed down state to where you're walking down the street. Well, not really here. We don't have streets. But if you go visit somewhere <laughs> and you're walking down the street. You can't walk anywhere here. You got a long ass walk. If you're walking up the hollers here, you're a crackhead, a meth head, or uh, you just got let out of jail. But like people are constantly looking at their phones they're constantly i mean any kind of public setting you're at a face is constantly turned towards some kind of screen i mean how are teenagers doing a damn tiktok dance (laughs) in the middle of walmart or the grocery store like this is the this is the dumbing down this is what we were talking about earlier it's politics eric this is every social media out there is dumbing down the youth of America. Oh, 100%. They're controlling our kids' narratives. And now it's the teachers in the schools. There's one narrative being pushed. We're being called the crazy ones for being conspiracy, crazy conspiracy theorists. But the same shit keeps happening by the same people. But we're the crazy ones. Freaking yeah. lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn lizard people. But. <laughs> oh and by the way eric (laughs) uh, if that guy ever does that to you again uh at work just do what i do and tell him that's okay because i was shooting for purgatory at best (laughs) (laughs) that's that's my saying all the time you know just to jump back that real quick you know he's like you know you have to accept christ into your life and then you know blah 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 you got to work towards it you got to work towards it it's a lot of work and you got to put in all this effort and everything and uh you know, for me, 
and I, I still I'm not going to go on record of saying one way or another because I don't think my religious my my spiritual beliefs have any bearing on whether or not I can host a podcast or talk to somebody who believes that they're having a demon infestation or they saw Bigfoot or they saw a UFO. It doesn't have any bearing on it. Um, but with him, it was like, you know, if, if that happens, I'm pretty sure that Christ is going to stand in front of me and he's going to be like, Hey, you coming, you going. And I'm going to be like, I knew it. I knew it. I'm with you, man. I got my bags packed. I'm coming, you know, but it, you know, the whole, you know, if I could, I could go, I could go into a house and I could murder an entire family and I could do terrible things to those bodies before I got caught. And then I could go serve how many years in prison and be on, on death row. And after all my appeals and 20 some years of taxpayers money is done. And I'm walking down that hallway with the preacher standing beside me, giving me last, last rights. I can say, I accept Christ into my life. And I'm really sorry that I barbecued that family. Am I good? Yep. You're good. All right, buddy. See you up there. Horseshit. Horseshit. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. It doesn't mix. So, but that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> I'm scared to say this exact. That's neither here nor there. That's, it's, uh, you know, and, uh, that obviously needed to come out. So I said, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, that's what this, that's what this place, that's what this little space is all about. Just letting it all out there. Just getting yeah, it all we just out. let shit out. I just got my little conspiracy binge out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, the I, part with him talking about how much work it is. I mean, the Bible just says you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Boom. That's there you go. It's not a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> no, but according to this guy, you know everything. <laughs> everything that comes out of your mouth has got to be followed followed by you know, uh, praise Jesus or you know. Thank God. Or well, that's you know, why every, we have that's why we have this little thing called grace because yeah. uh, we're created in His image, but not with His holiness. So He knows yeah. what He's got. He knows what He's dealing with. I if know you made bring... us, you know what the hell we are. You made me for God's sakes. <laughs> Literally for His sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for your sake. Sorry about that. But, you know, no, kind no, of uh, going going back to the weird stuff. Um, I wanted to tell you guys, this was like probably one of the more compelling, um, compelling things that had happened to me. Um, you know, I had a belief in ghosts, right? I, I, it only made sense to me. And that's the whole thing. Like so many of these different topics, you know, like my tagline for the show is topics that reside on the fringe of our reality, because they're things that a lot of people don't necessarily take to heart and believe um but so when i was 21 um my dad was hit and killed by a car and it sucks but learning moment for you young people listening to this podcast don't get balls drunk and then try to walk home 
probably not a good idea. Call somebody, get an Uber, you know. My dad decided to try to walk home, got hit and killed by a car. It didn't happen for months. It was probably eight or nine months went by. Still living in the house that I lived with him and my mom. Um, <coughs> I had gone and bought a, um, I bought my first cordless phone, rechargeable cordless phone. And at the same time, I bought myself a, um, a answering machine because I was that important. You know, <laughs> at 21 years old, I needed an answering machine. Big time. Um, so, you know, I had the phone for a couple of weeks, whatever it was. And uh, middle of the night, 2 o'clock, 2.30, somewhere around there, the phone rings. And my mom was not at home. That's another story. Doesn't really have any bearing on this, but I was the only person in the house. I answer the phone. You know, and you get a you get a phone call in the middle of the night. It's usually not a good call, right? Yeah. So I, I'm like immediately on, you know, oh shit, what is this? So I, I answer the phone, and let me let me go back and say that like for my entire life, I pretty much thought my name was Hey Boy, because that's how my dad referred to me. Hey Boy, go get the mail. Hey Boy, go do the dishes. Hey Boy change the channel on the TV when you're walking by it. Hey boy, you know, go watch the car. And it wasn't a disrespectful thing. It was just, that's how he talked to me. So this phone rings, I answer it. I sit up in bed, I answer it, pull out the two and a half foot long antenna and put it up to my ear. And I hear this voice say, Hey boy. And I was like, what? And, you know, like the old landlines, when you got a phone got disconnected, when somebody hung up on the other end, it would go. Eh, 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 eh. And there was no tone then. And I sat there and I looked at the phone and I looked around the room and I was like, no, I'm awake. That shit just happened. You know, I, I mean, I was looking at things to make sure that I was awake. And I was like. So I pushed the antenna down and I put it back on its cradle and I, I didn't even get my arm pulled back and the phone rang again. So I grabbed it, I answered it and I was like, hello. And it's a woman's voice. And she says, is everything okay? And I said, excuse me. And she's like, is there anybody in the house that shouldn't be there? And I said, what? She said, this is Sergeant so-and-so with the South Bend Police Department. We got a 911 call from this phone. Is there anybody in the house that shouldn't be there? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm the only person at home. And she said, would you please go check the house to make sure nobody else is there? She goes, you didn't call 911. I said, no, I didn't call 911. And so... She wouldn't get off the phone till I went and cleared the house. So I grabbed my, I had a 44 Magnum, Smith and Wesson, nickel plated, shining like all get out. Mm, yeah. I'm walking around in my skivvies and I got my phone in my hand with a three foot long antenna. <laughs> so I walked through the whole house. There's nobody in there. 
And I come back to my bedroom and I said, man, there's nobody here. You know, I mean, it, everything's locked up. There's nobody in the house. And she goes, okay, you're, you're hundred percent sure nobody's there. And I said, no, ma'am. I said, I don't, I really don't understand what's going on. And then she says, do you by chance have a, uh, a cordless phone? And I was like, yeah, actually I just got one a couple of weeks ago. And she said, oh, well, that's probably it. We've had reports that uh, cordless phones are dialing 911 by themselves. Like something about the electronics of how they were put together were, you know, it would inadvertently just dial 911. So I'm like, I get off the phone, hang hang the phone up, I get back into bed, and now I'm like wide awake. So I'm going back to thinking, you know, the, the first call was my dad. That was his voice. And he called me what he always calls me. Hey, boy. Now, the reason that my mom wasn't there, I did not realize during the time that they that he was alive that their relationship was not really good. They were basically together because of me. Yeah. So even though my mom was sad that he was dead, she kind of, in my estimation, didn't take long enough of a grieving period before she started kind of go sowing her oats, right? Um, so she was spending a lot of her time living, not with, but living at another guy's house who she had met and started dating. So I was living in this house for the most part by myself. Um, did she abandon me? No. I was, I was 20, almost, I was probably 22 by that, the time this happened. Um, cause my dad died in October and it was probably, like I said, it probably eight or nine months before everything started kind of, this kind of stuff started happening. So, you know, I'm 22 years old, I had never lived on my own yet, but you know, my mom wasn't there and I'm like, you know, I thought, well, shit, you know, did, was he calling nine one one because because I was alone, like he thought I needed help, you know? Cause I mean, I was kind of going through some stuff, you know, grieving him kind of grieving the fact that my mom was off doing her thing now. And, you know, I went from having two parents to feeling like I didn't have either parent, you know, within a year and a half. Yeah. You know, so was that his way of like, did he think I needed help was, you know, I mean, did he call nine one one? Was he was he confused that you know he got hit and killed by a car, and he knew something was wrong, and he called nine one one? You know, I, I mean, I have no idea, but it was it was like it was one of the more profound things that I had happen where at that point, even though I'd already you know, believed that ghosts were, were capable of interacting with people. And I was, I was fairly sure of it. Um, this, you know, this was, this was a pretty, it was a pretty heavy, heavy duty thing, you know? And, uh, so, you know, we had to go when he was, when he was killed, we had to go ID the body. 
And so I ended up getting all of his belongings, you know, like his, his wallet, his buck knife, um, that, that July before he got killed, I had bought him a Mariner's crucifix. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but yeah, an anchor with Christ on it. And, uh, so I got that and the chain that went with it. And from that point on, I put it on and I was like, I never take it off, you know? And the, the chain that it came with was after wearing it for several months, it, I was getting like parts of my blanket or my shirts were getting like caught up in the chain. And it was like having, it was just kind of ruining the chain a little bit. So I went and I, I bought a new chain for it. And I said, I'm, I'm going to take this off. I'm not going to wear it when I'm sleeping. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to wear it while I'm taking a shower or anything. You know, I want it to stay nice. So I went and I took a shower and I took it off and I got in the shower. And when I got out of the shower, it was gone. Hmm. And I had put it on, I put it on the countertop by the sink in the bathroom. Right. You know, so obviously I knocked it into the sink and went down the drain. So I looked on the floor, bathroom floor was carpeted. I looked on the floor, I retraced my steps I was like, nope, I'm absolutely sure I took it off in the bathroom, put it on the countertop, and then I got in. You know, so I held up the towel and I was looking, thought maybe it got hooked on the terry cloth towel, couldn't find it. And I ended up, I was like, shit. And I went and I got a plumber's uh, wrench and I took the gooseneck off of the the sink. And that was nasty, but it wasn't (laughs) in there. (laughs) It wasn't in there. I found some like, hair clog that looked like it'd been in there for 15 years, but there was no, you know, no crucifix. And man, you know, I, I looked, I looked all over the place. I could not find it man, at all. You know? And like I said, my mom was not living in the house and I was not willing to, I didn't want to see my dad. I didn't want to see pictures of my dad. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to face the emotional, um, you know, seeing it and, and having to deal with the emotions of it. So I'd even gone as far as closing the door to my mom and dad's bedroom. So I wouldn't walk past it and, you know, just like look in and see pictures of my dad. So, you know, a little bit of time passes and, and I haven't seen this thing in, in quite a while. And I was getting ready to go on a date. And it was summertime. I had a nice tan going. I had a pair of favorite pair of jeans and I went and put my favorite white button down collar shirt on. Cause I, it was going to go good with my tan and I was just, you know, I was going to look good. And uh, I went to put that shirt on and I'll be goddamn if the button didn't pop off, you know? And I was like, I'm standing there in front of the mirror and my shirt would have been unbuttoned like to the middle of my chest. You know, I would have looked like some Goomba and, uh, <laughs> And I didn't even have a gold chain to put on with my chest <laughs> hanging out, you know? And, uh, so I was like, shit, I really wanted to wear that shirt. But then I remembered my mom had a sewing basket that she used to keep underneath her bed. So I walked down the hallway and I stood at the door to my mom and dad's bedroom. And I kind of took a deep breath and I walked in and immediately Boom, right there in front of me, sitting a picture of me and my dad when we were on vacation up in Traverse City, Michigan. 
And immediately I, I, like I started to get, you know, that, you know, that heartache that you get when you, when you get really sad that, yeah. that like that ache started. And I was like, ah, I didn't want to do this. And as so I kind of, I, I looked away from the picture and I'm like, just I sat down on the bed, reached underneath, felt the, the tin can that she had her sewing stuff in, pulled it out, put it up on the bed, threaded the needle and I stitched the button back on. And as I'm getting this done, I look up in the mirror that's in front of me that was alongside the bed. And my dad's military photo is hanging on the wall over my, over my right shoulder. And it was like from the early sixties. So it was a black and white picture, but like you ever see those old black and white pictures where they actually added like pastel color to it yeah. to kind of make it look like it was kind of color. That's what this was. And uh, so I'm looking in the mirror and I see his, his face and the way his face is turned in the picture makes it look like he's looking over my shoulder. Right. You know? So I was like, I looked at the picture and I was like, you know what? This isn't so bad. You know, I think enough times passed by. And so I'm kind of looking around the room and, you know, I mean, there was memories of their bedroom and, um, on the side of the bed was this ugly ass round end table. And it had like three tiers on it. It was maybe, you know, 12 inches in diameter. And, uh, I looked over at that table and that chain was on there. Holy crap. And I was like, not only was the chain there, but here's the thing. My mom used to bitch at my dad, like on a daily basis because he would always go to bed with a glass of ice water or a glass of Coke with ice in it. And he would never use a coaster and it would always leave a ring on that wood end table. And when I looked over there, there was a partial wet ring and that chain and that crucifix was sitting inside that. Wow. Holy and, crap. And I looked up in that mirror and I was looking at that picture of my dad from the military picture. And I was like, okay. All right. I get it. I get it. You're still, you're still around. You know, and I had, I had a, I had a short little cry and I picked up the chain and, you know, I mean, that, that was, that was enough for me. Oh yeah. You know, for that, sure. that was, that was undeniable. You know, you, any paranormal team, anybody who wants to debunk ghost shit, say all you want, man, say all you want. I don't, you cannot, you cannot debunk that. To me no no that's that's not that's that's, that's crazy that's heavy yeah. that's heavy yeah yeah but it's 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 that you know you hear it a lot it's that sense of comfort 
that comes along in a time of grief. You know, the paranormal, the supernatural, that that spiritual other realm, whatever it is, it always gets brought up, you know, 98% of the time in just this negative light, you know, in this, in this way that it all has to be extremely scary and spooky and, and all this different stuff. But we're all spiritual beings, right? I mean, we're all, we're, we're, we're energy. We're, yep. we're souls in a meat sack. I mean, that's literally all we are. So if there's this spiritual world and we, you know, we've talked about it, the majority of this episode, you know, the, the possibility of, of when we die, our consciousness, our soul, our spirit, whatever you want to call it, going somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, being able to travel out of and away from this physical realm and maybe have the possibility to come back into it. It doesn't always have to be negative. Like, your experience right there, I would look at just on the outside looking in. That's your dad stopping back in saying, Hey, bub, I got you. I'm here. Yep. Or hey boy, I'm, I'm yeah. still I'm still around. <laughs> you know, I'm still yeah. gonna be around. I'm still gonna take care of you. You're still my boy. And yep. uh this is this is how I had to do it to show you I'm still around. You know, I had yeah. to move this chain. I had to move this crucifix or, or this this Mariner's cross, you know, whatever. Like again, it's the it's these little pushes toward that viewpoint, that perspective on our reality that shows there's something more. And not only is there something more, but I'm still here. I'm still around in whatever capacity that is. But that's just to me. That's so interesting. Those those stories, to me, are as interesting as all the negative, you know, demonic or cryptid or you know whatever all the the evil and negative there is out there. These stories are just as interesting. Because listen, me, I'm more apt to believe these stories. Like yeah. That story right there, I 100 percent believe him. Yeah, for sure. It's those other stories that I'm like, mm, eh. well, you know, and you <laughs> so know, you fought a, you fist fought a demon and now you're talking about, uh, let's go. Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cut you the know. hell up, Zach Baggins. <laughs> you know me. I'm a, I'm a big believer in almost everything. I wasn't there. Everything. I wasn't. But you know there. what, Justin? You know what? You know, we weren't there, but come on. Come on. But. <laughs> You know what he said earlier, and it just dawned on me as he's telling that story about his father. But I told you this story about my granddad when he passed away when I was in the military. I didn't get it. My, I didn't make it back to talk to him because I didn't really. I didn't. First of all, I didn't know how bad his cancer was. Second of all, I was in basic training and then tech school, and I wasn't allowed to leave. You know, just to leave. Yeah. So I get back and I'm going, I was going to go that night and talk to him. My mom and dad's like, it's late. You know, he's, he's on his medicine. He's asleep. So I was like, all right, first thing in the morning, that morning, I wake up to mom and dad at the foot of my bed telling me he passed. That bothered me a lot. I read, you know, I was, he wasn't even my granddad. I just called him that. He was my actual granddad's brother. He was my great uncle, but 
in his little Ford Ranger, it was him driving me in the middle and my papa on the right of me, you know, and I went everywhere with those guys. Yeah. So I'm close to him. Well, fast forward, like, I think a year down the road and I'm married and, you know, at that point in time, I wasn't really in church, but my wife was dragging me there anyway. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was, I would pray all the time. I was like, you know, I wish I could just see him one more time. I wish I could have just said goodbye. Well, I had this dream and I'm sitting at this table when he's across from me and my granny's sitting next to him. And at the time and up until now, and I'm not going to say it wasn't, but I thought was, you know, Christ at the head of this table, because all it was, was a light. I couldn't see anybody, just a really bright light. And I just assumed that's who it was. And I got to talk to him. He told me it's fine. He told me my other grandfather I'd never got to meet was fine. But my granny is still alive to this day, was there. But now, after you earlier said, what if God is ultra or extraterrestrial? Wait a minute. Is granddad just on the alien ship and they just beam me up <laughs> <laughs> and beam granny up to see him too? This, I wonder if I asked granny. Of course, she's going into dementia right now. She probably wouldn't remember. but Or maybe she would remember all of it and let you know maybe. everything. And I never told her about that dream. Man, I wish I had now. Because if she had said that, that would have come. I'd been like, "Holy shit!" He's like you, Elvis. I'll tell you something really interesting. You mentioned that your your granny's got dementia. Um, my mom just passed away this this past November, and um, for the last <sighs> for the last six years, I was pretty much taking care of her, living living here with her. Um, because she was starting to show signs of dementia. And in the last two years, it progressed pretty bad. And then about a year ago, it got to the point where I could not, I couldn't provide the care that she needed anymore. So I had to put her in a, in a nursing home, which I hated, but at least, at least she had, you know, around the clock care. So going back to what I was talking about, these psychics, how all three of them had, touched on you know this the same spirits around me um i thought it was really interesting that karen tatro had described to me a a portly curly-haired woman who was very animated in uh seemed to have quite a sense of humor and i'm telling you what man she described my mom to a fucking T. But my mom wasn't dead. Hmm. And after, after quite some time, I talked to Karen and I talked to um, Christina Rake, the Archbishop. And I said, because a person's mind has started to fail them and their reality is no longer rooted in, in our reality. Is there a possibility that somebody who has that kind of a disease, could they have already begun 
the process of passing over. Is that why she was able to, to describe my mom to a T when she was not yet dead? And both of them answered, absolutely. Wow. And that's because actually what my other grandfather, my actual grandfather, his brother just passed away of. And I lost, I lost actually almost one year ago because uh, he died, what, four days before we started this podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think that's a that's man. That's so. Yeah, but if you think about if think think about what she's saying, is that they can exist in both planes? Yeah, yeah. And isn't My that ninety percent of what we're talking about? Absolutely, like, on a weekly basis. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And it, is it, it the fact that the mind's shutting down like that? Does the pineal gland release DMT to cause this? Like in the end, well, before you die, your pineal gland releases DMT. Right. That that accounts for a lot of hallucinations, things like that. But they always talk about these things being a gateway. Like R. Shafir will swear that he lived a life under in an underwater city for six yeah. months, even though he was only down for 10 minutes. Right. You know, that's, is that the key to the different planes? Is that how we, I don't well, know. I mean, it, it's, it depends on the way that you look at it. When that DMT is released, does it cause hallucinations or does it, cause you to be able to see into a parallel universe, a parallel reality? Is it something that is that the missing piece for us to be able to see completely through that veil and to be able to occupy both spaces at the same time or multiple spaces at the same time? You know, people talk because all the people, time about because people who, who have done uh, DMT and, and ayahuasca, they're, you know, their reports of what they're seeing are extremely, extraordinarily similar Absolutely. to everybody else's experiences. Yep. Yeah. They all talk about the same things, the same entities. Yeah. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is now plagued by the hat man. I, dude, I will, <laughs> I'm going to message him. I'm going to get him on the show. We have to get it. Well, I, I know I, this is really dangerous. You talk about being in Michigan all the time. I'm hoping you're a Colts fan, but I'm a huge Green Bay fan. Yeah, I'm but, a Bears fan, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, okay. So I actually don't hate the Bears. <laughs> Just the Lions and the Vikings. That's <laughs> yeah. No, I've never been a fan of the Lions. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's interesting when we, when you start, you know, when you've done this long enough and you've been interested in these things long enough, you know, how many times have you heard people refer to, you know, we're energy, right? Our, our soul, our spark. You know, like Transformers, where our spark is is, spark. Uh, is yeah is is energy, right? And energy can't be destroyed; it just changes form, right? Yeah. And how many times have you heard people who are not necessarily Christian or Catholic or a, a certain denomination of belief refer to spiritual uh, beings as being light beings, right? Yep. And what if energy is light? What 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 if when we pass, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some there's a part in the Bible that says once we pass and we're with God, all questions will be answered and, you know, you'll know everything and you'll be surrounded by 
everyone that you've ever loved, right? Pretty much not word for word, but pretty close. That's a picture of Haven. Have you ever heard of the universal conscious? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So what if when we die and our spark leaves, our spark goes to where all the other sparks that have ever been are at, and we become part of that. And what if we become part of every other person's memories, experiences, knowledge that has ever gone before us and most probably have gone through this cycle several times. And we just keep going back to the original, the original energy, the original hive hive mind. And I don't mean that to be in like a bad way, you know, cause hive, hive mind gets bad connotation, but yeah. you know, what if, what if we just go back to being a part of the, the whole, you know, what if we're all consciousness, what if we're all just tiny little pieces of our creator? Well, you know, the what Bible if we're, says we're made in his image, right? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's written for a, a an understanding for people who would have been back at that time, that's the only way you could wrap your head around it, right? But what if we are individual little pieces of that creator? And when we go back to God or we go back to the creator, we're just we're just reassimilating back into everything that's ever been. Well, scientifically speaking, if we were that type of energy. When you move at the speed of light, time actually stops. If you go faster than the speed of light, you actually go back in time. Mm -hmm. So if we became that energy, that light, that, and we're moving at the speed of light, time has stopped. That makes perfect sense. That's because you're dead. Time has stopped for you. (laughs) Well, that would go along with so many things in this entire phenomena that we talk about, you know, you get abduction accounts where people are literally talking about, you know, encountering these, whatever kind of terrestrials you want to call them. I I like to use the term ultra terrestrials that it seems like, you know, Keel wrote about it a lot about how these people or these ultra terrestrials, Andrew Cole, for, for example, they were popping in and out. And it was always a question of time. What is your time? Like they were trying to figure out exactly what time and place they were in. Like they were popping in and out of different timelines. So if you're talking about an ultra terrestrial energy, you're talking about a a collective or universal consciousness. You're talking about, you know, these us just being this energy and a spark. And you mentioned it earlier. It's just a, it's just a face on the water. You know, we think of time as being linear, but time is just, it's, it's there. It's like ripples in the pond, Ryan. Like you said, time doesn't even exist. No, it's a man-made construct. Time is a man-made construct, right? Well, you know, I used to think that as, as well, but with that, with that being said, time has to exist because like trees grow, plants grow, and they would do that without us. And they would have a life cycle. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard. It, it's, it's extremely hard to talk about time not existing in the, in the literal sense 
because obviously it has to, because time does pass, but time in the time I'm talking about is the time that we recognize as 60 seconds in a minute, you know, 24 hours in a day that that's a construct of man, you know, uh, whoever figured it out, you know, kind of pissed me off because, you know, I got to work five out of the seven days. <laughs> yeah, you know? really? Why, why didn't you best. figure it out where I could work three days and have four days off? Well, Kennedy tried you that. Know? JFK <laughs> tried it and they, they okay. killed him. And again, you know, but, <laughs> we'll just say that Google killed him. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, time is, time's a funky thing, man. It is. You know, it is. Well, all of these, you know, everything that we're talking about, that's why I love sitting down and having these conversations because there's so many different, so many different lanes and routes and and detours you can take along the way when you're talking about these things, because, you know, it all like, it's all separate, but it's all the same. You know, you have so many different strings that are hanging out there, but when you start looking at all of them and, and, really finding the details in each each experience, each account, each encounter, you can start braiding these strings together to find that there's this central something yep. that's in the middle of all of it that there's there's too much similarity between account between the experiences that people are having. There's too much similarity between the experiences that I've had. You know, so it, it, you look at it in a way to where whatever's going on, whatever is going on with this phenomena, and I'm talking all of it encompassed together. I'm talking UFOs and, and cryptids and, and extra and ultra terrestrials and poltergeist activity and shadow people and, and, you know, everything that you can look at in this realm, every story that you hear, there's so many corroborating details that go along with it that sometimes at the end you're like you know what i don't even have any clue what that was because it could have been so many different things which tells me there there has to be something central that's all this stuff is just extending from well let me blow your mind up a little bit yes all right so you go ghost hunting right now I've gone ghost hunting and I've taken pictures while I've been ghost hunting. And I know the difference between a manifested orb and light reflecting off of my camera's flash on a piece of dust or a bug. Yeah. I know the difference. I had a man, I had a manifestation of a, an orb happen in front of my face, a little bit smaller than a golf ball. So I've seen an orb. You ever hear anybody talk about glowing balls dancing around in the woods with Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah, All for sure. the time. For sure. Do you ever hear people talk about hearing knocks in the trees? Yep. yep. You ever hear about anybody talk about being in a house, a haunted house, and having things knock? Mm-hmm. All the time. Christina Rake, the archbishop, she brought this up. And I was like, when she said it, I was like, oh, my God. What if these things are a side effect 
of the manifestation of these things? What if the sound of a knock? Because have you ever gone out in the woods and tried to do a wood knock? Oh, yeah. It never sounds right. No, it never never sounds right. right. No, not even close. The only way you even get close is if you took like two old fashioned hardwood baseball bats, it'll rack them together. Yeah. That's when that's when you start hearing something that's pretty close to being accurate. What if what if those sounds, what if those balls of light, you get it with, you know, what about the um, electromagnetic interference? Batteries getting drained. Cameras not working. Can't take pictures of Bigfoot. All this shit. It, it's the same thing in ghost hunting. It's the same thing when you talk about people who have been in, in around um, uh, extraterrestrial craft, you know, or seeing a UFO. What if these things are a natural peripheral part of when that particular, when particular things come through the veil into our perception? Yeah. You know, what if those knock sounds, what if those are a a remnant of what's happening, how it's happening? Maybe it's a, you know, the balls of light, you know, are those, you know, energy discharges because, you know, I, I, I hate, hate using the word portal because it's so overused. But there's no (laughs) better word (laughs) to use it yet instead of it. But, you know, what if the door, what if that, you know, what if that's all part of these things coming into our perception? Yeah. And maybe that's how Bigfoot escapes so easy. Maybe the wooden dog is him just going back. Well, you hear you know, so many I, of these missing person cases, like these missing 411 cases. David Pilatus yeah. talks to a lot of the people that he interviews. There's some kind of weird noises going on. Sometimes it sounds like a steel trap closing or a metal door yeah. being scrubbed or, uh, you know, just the wood knocks like you're talking about. Like there's always some kind of, or not always, but often there's these it's, weird noises. It's national forests. It's but probably no, the military members going back into the underground domes. That way, they, <laughs> maybe. Like, oh, shit, somebody's coming. Maybe. But no, I mean, it goes along, and I forget who said it, but, you know, the quote that you see a, a ball of light in the sky, it's a UFO. You see a ball of light in the forest, it's a, it's a fairy, or it's, you know, something going along with Bigfoot. You see a ball of light in a home, it's an apparition, or it's a ghost, or yeah, you know, you hear knocks inside your home, and it's poltergeist activity. Or it's demonic. It's a ghost. You hear knocks in the woods. It's Bigfoot wood knocking. You hear knocks yeah. in the sky. We don't know what the hell that is, but it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's just like you know, I could totally get on board with these all just being side effects of whatever this phenomena is, whatever is manifesting and kind of busting through the veil. Or as I like to say, there there used to be a a wall they had to bust through. Now it's just like this sheer curtain that they have to peek right Pull around the through. side. Yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. It's extremely interesting, man. All of this is it's just so interesting, and that's why I you love know, this realm that we're in. Yeah, to, cir- to circle back to you know pretty much the beginning of our conversation, um, you know having more experiences the longer I continue to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. As long as you remain open to the possibility that things like this exist, 
and you, you, you know, you don't shut your brain down to it. You know, I, I saw a shadow person a couple of weeks ago where I'm sitting right now, where my computer screen is. I was talking to a couple who uh, I haven't aired their episode yet with. She was talking about having had spent some time being held down by a incubus or succubus or, um, and I saw, I saw on the opposite side of my screen in the, in the dark, I saw a, what looked like a head pop up, you know, but it was all, it was all dark. It was a shadow person, you know, and I, the thing of it is, is when I saw that, I immediately on the screen saw a flash on their, on in their like apartment where they were talking to me from. It coincided like immediately when I saw that flash and that thing, I was like, Ooh, what, what are you, what do you got going on there, girl? Um, cause you know, I got, you, you see, you see back there, that little, uh, that little white bag that's hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, uh, I got some, uh, I got some mojo in that bag that keeps that shit from coming in here and fucking <laughs> with my equipment. You know, that's, that's some special high grade, uh, stuff right there so um you know I, I pull that out and i put a couple of squirts here and there throughout the room before i start doing a, a podcast you know um hey i don't know and it's bizarre but i the longer i keep doing this you know and my son i got love him he's like hey dad i love you you getting a little out there and it's like <laughs> you know hey i you know what, kid? Hundred percent. You're right. But you know what? I'm not denying the things that I'm experiencing. Right. Yeah. You know. And I'm a pretty. I'm a pretty. I'm a pretty intelligent guy. I'm pretty logical minded. You know. I don't just jump to. You know. Oh. You know. Fart in the woods. It was Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. no, it was probably. It was. You know. It was probably a raccoon. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Or the way it smells, it was probably a skunk, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I've been having more and, and the thing is that I, I'm having more experiences in my dreams as well. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that, that is, uh, I think that's a doorway, man. I really do. I think that's a, that's a, that's a prime position for your, our human brain to be in, to be able to drift easily through that uh through that sheer curtain that you're talking about i agree i agree 100 you know it's like when we started this whole thing ryan you know I, i've always well i've i've had quite a few experiences i don't have any reason to be i mean i'm a skeptical believer if that makes sense like I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to look into it. And by the end of it, especially if it's happening to me, you know, I want to make sure this isn't something that's going to be sticking around messing with me. But Ryan, like he was pretty flat out. You know, I don't believe in a lot of this stuff, you know, all this and that. 
but the more that we've been in it, the more that we've researched, the more that we've looked into certain things and talked about certain things. And the fact that he pretty much stepped out and said, Hey, here I am. Come show me some stuff's been happening. Some yeah, stuff's been I happening. was high on gummies. Okay. I was high on edibles and <laughs> I freaking, and I still do it sober. Now I'll go out. I'll look up at the night sky. If I'm out there smoking or pissing outside and, my daughters live in the friggin' bathroom, but you know, I'll just look up at the night sky and be like, Hey, you know, you show all these crazy people you're real, show me you're real. Like, I'm not gonna start a cult, like, <laughs> not gonna, maybe I'm not gonna yeah. ask 15 guys to cut their nuts off <laughs> just to worship you, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I think it'd be pretty funny if they listened to me, that's their own fault, but. You know, when I think it was about the time I thought, you know, to be a better host at this, I can't just keep going around saying I don't believe in anything. What I need to do is keep an open mind. So I changed my mantra to open mind, guarded heart, just in case, you know, this shit's real and Beelzebub tries to take over my body or something. So when I tell you what, man, it's it's undeniable at the crazy things that when you when you open up your mind to it, the crazy things that you see, and then you're talking about dreams, I've been affected by dreams as well, and some of them have stuck out to me like like one in particular I cannot get out of my head where I've seen this dude, and man, he is burnt in my memory. I woke up screaming, like my wife jumps up, my son runs in the room, like is dad screaming like <laughs> Like he, it was pure fear. Wow. Did you, did you, did you just talk about this in a recent episode? Yeah. Okay. Cause I had a deja vu that was like, whoa, wait a yeah. minute. Now. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, oh man. It was critical just... thinking, critical thinking, <laughs> not just jumping to the first thing, yeah. Yeah. but it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, it's it, it's just more and more shit keeps happening. And Justin brought his demons in on me. Hey, look, man, I can't help the research I I, I get into. I can't <laughs> help it. I get led down these holes. Now we got right. pan leading us everywhere. Apparently, That's- <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought pan up because originally, before we even got on here, I was going to be like, you know, there is a mystique about where you guys are at. <laughs> There is there is definitely a mystique about that. And and quite honestly, um, you know, it seems creepy as hell. Now, I'm sure that it is just another normal part of the country. But um, <laughs> it's it's creepy. Um, you know, Hellier. Hellier did not do anything for you guys as far as making you guys have any curb appeal for somebody wanting to move into your area. Um, You know, and then Dark Holler, um, that one uh, didn't do much for you guys either. Nope. (laughs) Nope. And it's all the surrounding areas. And you're literally, you're literally talking about the two entities with Pan and Lilith that I really started diving deep into because for one, I believe, you know, I have this belief that all of the ancient gods and goddesses that were worshiped, they were real. 
They, they, sure. These weren't just figments of, of people's were. imagination. They were real gods and goddesses that showed themselves to these people that brought them knowledge that these people worshipped. Sure. But in turn, there had to be tributes. There had to be sacrifices. There had to be things given up. Well, you start looking at a lot of these entities. You know, a lot of our roots here in central Appalachia, where we are, are Scots-Irish, obviously. Well, you take the whole Pan and Lilith, and we're just throwing those names out there generically, but they've had a lot of different names throughout cultures and civilizations all through human history. You take Scots-Irish, for example. You look at Morgana and Sir Nunos. That's Pan and Lilith. So they come over with a belief of the people that settled here in these hills, in these mountains, they have the belief in these entities. So what's going to manifest those same entities, right? I'm reading a book right now called the rebirth of pain. And it's, you look all through ancient history. There are, there's, there's a horned God deity that gives information. That's always the God of the woods. It's always the God of, of, of all that's around. And I'm telling you, man, in this area, in this area, in these ancient Appalachian mountains that are literally older than bones. I mean, we have cave systems here that are older than nothing's fossilized because they're literally older than anything else on earth. Yeah. There's some old gods here. There's old entities here. And I still think, well, we know that they're still being worshipped, you know, down around Asheville, North Carolina. The green man is huge. Like it's all new agey and, and kind of pushed in a new direction. But it's the same entities. The green man is Sernunos. Sernunos is Pan. Pan is Velus. Velus is, you know, you've got all these different horned god deities all throughout ancient civilization cultures. And they all look the same. And when you start digging into these entities, when you start finding out more about them, they start finding out more about you and they start coming around and they start <laughs> picking. And, and, you know, it's so weird that you mentioned Hellier. And I'm never, ever going to put us on par with the new Kirks or, or anything like that. But their whole thing, they said it on the show a, a thousand times. They felt like it, that it was some form of initiation. Mm -hmm. We start this podcast and the entire time, you know, we're, we're, we've said a hundred times on here. It feels like doors are, are opening up and we're just kind of stepping through them, that we are just being led into these things, you know, without any sense of where we're going. We just show up, boom, it's there. And then it's this awesome adventure. Almost like an initiation. So, I mean, you get down to these things that, well, just for instance, I was really looking into Lilith at the time. And we start seeing owls everywhere, start being plagued by owls, you know, which is a, the symbolism of, of Lilith. Sure. One night, I'm out in my inflatable hot tub and I'm kicked back. And when I first told these boys about it, I was like, I'm hoping that I dozed off and this was a dream. I don't think that I did, though. 
So I kick back in the hot tub and, you know, I'm just chilling, relaxing, no big deal. I look over and out from beside of my building, this ragged looking woman in, in white is just standing there. We make eye contact. We make eye contact, but I can't tell you anything about her face. If that makes any sense at all. I just know that, that she was in white, that it looked just like raggedy, like a raggedy white dress, I guess, gown. I don't, I don't know. We made eye contact and I decided it's time for me to get back in the house. You know, I'm a little vulnerable right now. I'm in my, I'm in my skivvies out here in the hot tub. Um, there's nothing between me and her, but air and opportunity. It's, it's time to go. So I jump out and I'm, I'm hustling back toward the house. I'm, I'm telling myself, do not look back over there. Don't look. But you know, the, the curiosity that that's in me that happened to know for sure. I look back over nothing, nobody, nothing there except an owl perched on the building next yeah. to that one looking me dead in the eyes. So it's like, you have things like that happening. It's like, okay, all right. I see you. I see you, you want to look into me Well, I'm going to come check you out and I'm going to do it in a time that you're most that. vulnerable. I firmly believe that when they recognize you looking for them, you know, once they, once they know, once you've got their attention, you start to see them. Yeah. They will show you. And I don't necessarily mean in a physical form, but they will let you know that they're, they're aware of you. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, it brings about one of the theories that we've talked about a lot. You know, we, we love this book. Uh, the author's name is Daryl Brom. It's a fiction book, but everything that he does is based on ancient mythology, you know, all of these different things. So it's like, it's, it's fictional universes that he builds and creates, but it's based on, you know, actual mythology and history. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the takes that he has in this book called lost gods is there was a time when these civilizations that they had the worship and the belief of all of these people, you know, back to a collective consciousness. You had this entire population of people who worshiped these entities that had full belief because they interacted with them. Well, over time, less people believe, less people believe, less people believe. They just kind of vanish off into the distance. You know, there's not enough belief out there to keep them, I guess, energized enough to be there, you know, full time. Yeah. But we're getting into a we're getting into a time again where, you know, yeah, in some cases they are being worshipped. But I think the belief part is really getting back to a lot of these small G old gods. So if the collective conscious is is coming together in in a belief even if it's not worship even if it's in a negative light even if it's just okay well we're going to look these entities up so we can expose them for what they are that's still a whole lot of eyes and, and going in their direction so does that give them enough power or energy or 
whatever to be able to manifest themselves back again into a a certain way to 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 show themselves and to, and to make themselves pop in and out. I don't know, man. It, it's it's a crazy thought. It is. It's crazy. And, you know, like I've talked to some people that think that these little gods, little G gods are <clears throat> demonic. And, you know, I, you know, I'm not saying that they're not. Don't take it that way. But what if they're not? That's what, what I if think. they're all. What if they're all just part of everything that's going on? Justin, Eric has said everything that I have been saying this whole time to you and Lance. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, but it's mostly things that I, this conversation, but it's mostly things that I agree with. I don't think that, I don't think that these small G gods are, are demonic on every level. Do I think, I think some of them are certain ones, but I don't think all of them are. I think, okay, here's the thing. My personal belief, Eric, is a lot of these old gods were fallen angels. That's my personal belief. Yep. Um, but even with that, it's just like I was telling Ryan the other day. If we have a civil war right now and I am a general in this civil war, I'm going to propagate and I'm going to, to to persuade and I'm going to put so much out there to try to get you to join my side. Okay. If we believe that these fallen angels turned into these old gods, these small G gods that were worshiped throughout human history, we believe that they came from a war in heaven that when a third of the angels rose up against God. Okay. A third of the angels, that's a lot of entities, a lot. Do I believe that every single one of them were absolutely evil? No, I don't. I believe that Lucifer was the morning star, was an angel of light, decided that he was tired of being the worship leader and he wanted to be the real deal. And he persuaded and propagated a third of the his brothers to join his side, to join his forces. And when they were all sent down and cast down, I think they had different motives. They had different ideas. They had different ways that they wanted to treat mankind and humanity. I believe that, you know, a lot of these old gods probably just wanted to help. I believe a lot of them wanted to see children burned and sacrificed on an altar and, and to, to stand there and drink their blood. So, I mean, it's just like the same, there's good and evil in everything. <laughs> the, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. You know, it's funny because I made that same comment to a, a good friend of mine earlier today that there's, there, <laughs> excuse me, that there's good and evil in everything. Yeah. One can't exist without the other. Absolutely not. It is it is the yin and yang of existence. And she makes a comment to me. What if it's not? Mm. What if it just is what it is? 
Yeah, that's deep. What if it's just what it is? You know, it's not evil. It's not good. It just is. It's all of that is because of how we have been groomed to perceive it. Yeah. It was like what a shark. Just, what if it's just nature? Yeah. What, did it, what if it's just nature? Yeah. It's like a shark in the ocean. Is it good? Is it evil? No, it's just a shark. But it's if he like, bites your arm off, it's evil. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. To, to the to the uh, person with one arm, it's evil. Yeah. But to the shark, it's just a meal. Yeah. Of course, you still have those assholes swimming out there. It's not the shark's fault. But okay, <laughs> no, it's not. But you know, but it's technically, a it's your fault because you're the dumbass <laughs> yeah. that went out there swimming with it. Yeah, that's why I don't go past my knees in the ocean. Like, you know, just on the <laughs> whole basis, on the whole basis level of it, just is. It falls along the same lines. It's just, it's just nature being nature. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's a, a, you know, and that's a terrible thing for somebody who has faith. I mean, that's, that's a terrible thing to try to wrap your head around. If you have faith to, to be open. See, and this is the thing that I love about doing my show and, and shows like yours and other shows that effectively create critical thinking and open-mindedness. Be open to entertain the thought. I'm not asking you to change your beliefs. I'm not asking you to, to give up everything that you've ever known or learned. I'm nobody. I am. I facilitate a conversation. Yep. That's it. But what I want from you is to just open your mind and entertain the idea of seeing things through a different perspective or multiple different perspectives to see if your if if what you believe still plays out yeah you know just to exactly. make you a little uncomfortable exactly yeah <laughs> Because if you don't, you're no better than the mainstream scientist that says this is what it is, and that's a fact, and it can't be anything else. Right. They don't know. They thought the atom was the smallest thing until it busted over and all that shit fell out of it. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's true, man. It's, I mean, come on. Like the theory of relativity was a freaking Bible to them until they figured out, oh, wait, this, this only works in this area. It doesn't make it irrelevant, but it can't work without this either. So it's they yeah. kill me. Yeah. How how they just talk so matter of factly. But Justin, we're over two hours now. Yeah. We're gonna start wrapping this thing up. I think that Probably was a good a, idea. That was a that was a good way to to end it. But yeah, just really really quickly back to Let me just show you like a this. nipple or something. <laughs> yeah. Just getting back to uh, this area that we're in, Eric, there's definitely something there's definitely, I'll tell you something really fast. We started this podcast or before we started, you know, me and Ryan were talking about it for months before we actually, you know, just bit the bullet and, and did it. And we were thinking of names and, and you know, all this different stuff. What, what are we going to call it? And it just hit me one day. I was actually listening to, uh, I think it was an episode of Tim Full Hat with, on Sam's show. 
And the guy was talking about artificial intelligence. And I was like, oh, AI, Appalachian intelligence. That, yeah. <laughs> that's got a good ring to it. So, you know, I, I take it to Ryan. He's like, yeah, man, that's cool. We'll run with it. You know, we can look at it like an oxymoron because there's nothing intelligent about us idiots. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, I mean, just the term Appalachian intelligence in general. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we decided we were going to run with it. We talked to Ward, bringing it all the way back around to Dark Holler. We have Ward on the show, interview him about Dark Holler and what he's doing. And, you know, we had just, we hadn't been really in this weird realm. I mean, of course, you know, we both enjoyed the paranormal stuff and, and you know, scary stories and, and creepypastas and all of this different stuff. But we weren't, like, in it, in it. You know, we were just the casual listener and fan of, of you know, people's stories and stuff. So, Ward starts talking about Hellier. I don't think either of us had, Lance had watched it. But Lance wasn't yeah. on the show. He wasn't part of the show yet. Um, we hadn't even watched Hellier. I mean, it happens literally in our own backyard. Like the places that they're talking. Hellier is literally right over the mountain. Like no joke. It's, I mean, yeah. I know there's a state line there and everything, but it's right over the mountain. So he starts talking about Hellier. He starts talking about Penny Royal with Nathan Isaac. You know, most of his stuff. He's from Somerset, but, you know, they're talking about coming over and doing this tribute to Pan in the Brakes Interstate Park, which is in our hometown. He starts talking about the artist Dan Dutton coming to Elkhorn City, which is right on the other side of Hellier. I mean, it's literally, I guess you could say, if you want to call it a suburb, Hellier is a suburb of Elkhorn City. (laughs) Not really a suburb. It's a holler off the side of it with a bunch of trailers. (laughs) But he starts talking about all this stuff in our backyard. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've got to dive into this. I mean, this is the area that we're in. This is what we're looking into. I've got to dive all the way in. So I start listening to Penny Royal. And early on, I don't remember if it was Nathan Isaacs or somebody that he was interviewing. But he made the statement. I don't, there's something about these mountains of Appalachia. There's some kind of intelligence there. And dude, from that moment, from that moment, it's been like everything has just continuously fell into place. Boom, 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 boom to where we are right now. And I, you look, we are by no means this massive show. We're not bringing in, thousands of dollars and we ain't going to quit our jobs. We ain't going to quit our day jobs tomorrow by no means. But man, have we stumbled onto some awesome things and talked to some really super cool people, including tonight and started building this massive community or joining this massive community of like-minded and sometimes not like-minded sometimes conversations that make you a little uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, but it's a group that has come together, a collective conscience. Absolutely, and there's love there. There's that's there's, what gives the thing substance. There's building up. There's yeah. throwing ropes. It's just like this. You know, people talk about the Bigfoot communities or the UFO 
Twitter or, you know, all this different stuff and how much infighting there is. There's not been a single guest on this show or a show that we've went on that there's been any kind of infighting at all. It's been nothing but love from the word go. And to me, that's special. That's because you surround yourself. You're attracted to the light. Yeah. You look at dark things, but you're attracted to the light. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's an important distinction that you make because one of the best things that has happened in my life with doing this show are the relationships that I have fostered with the guests that I've had on with listeners who have reached out to me with ridiculously flattering things to say about, you know, whether it's how I conduct a interview or, or my choice of guests or, you know, thank you so much for having so-and-so on because I reached out to them and they've helped me tremendously. And then I have guests who have had listeners reach out to them who contact me and say, your people that listen to your show are the nicest freaking people. I have, you know, it's just, yeah, it is so worth every freaking second of what we do. Absolutely. I don't know how many times me and Ryan have been at work and, you know, we get a, a message or an email or, or a comment on something. And it's like, dude, this is worth it. This right here is what makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Is, I mean, we're, we're just a few idiots from Appalachia. We yeah. literally work at a sawmill. We're nobodies. <laughs> nobodies. We're nobodies. But we're nobodies that like to talk to other nobodies <laughs> that all they want to do is talk the weird, show love, and throw ropes. Yeah. And man, it's amazing the response you get. When you're just real, when you're genuine. Yeah. When you when you have a topic and you say, you know what? I have no freaking clue. But here's what I think it might be. And that's the thing about all this. I ain't got a freaking clue about none of it. Nope. Everything that I'm doing is postulating theories. Yeah. But it is. I we're with you when it comes to that. I mean, just the sometimes it's a little overwhelming to know and uh, to understand that so many people are are kind of hanging on to what you or the guests on the show have to yeah. say. It's overwhelming. It's humbling. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Humbling. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Eric, man, this has been a blast. I could, I could literally do this up until the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> this is, I can't wait for the next few weeks for us to come yeah, on your show. Let's let the dust settle on this one. Absolutely. And then we're going to have you on mine. I do have a request though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a friend of my son's grew up in Tennessee and she heard stories about this white thing. And one of her school teachers had seen it as a child. Okay. And she got me in contact with that woman and she talked to me extremely vaguely and then told me, yeah, I think I'm going to write a book. And that's it. So I'm really interested when you guys come on the show, bring, bring a lot of stuff with you, but please bring, bring some stuff about the white thing. Got it. Because that is a, that's something that I just, 
creeps me the hell out. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna start digging right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, let me get back over to my note page. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, all the we... things we were talking about with him, I've been making notes of. So when we go on his show, I'm gonna have more to talk yeah, about in those absolutely. areas. Absolutely, absolutely. That's good thinking, Ryan. That's why you're the backup. Tennessee. <laughs> Didn't you at the beginning weren't you calling him Plan B? Yeah, that's Plan B. That's Ryan no, playing like the pill Plan B. Ryan yeah. Plan B Rattler. Yeah. Hey, before we go, I gotta read some names off, Justin. Well, let let me let him push his stuff before okay. we jump off here. Before we close it all out, we'll let uh Eric tell the the heel folk out there where they can find you, how to support you. Everything. This is this is your self promotion time. Well, thanks, guys, man. I've had a ball talking to you guys, and uh, you, you guys are class act. I really appreciate it. Uncomfortable podcast. I'm available everywhere that you can find and listen to Appalachian Intelligence. Any of the other podcasts that you listen to, I'm on all the big platforms. Um, there's a couple of podcasts out there called Uncomfortable, different things. So the easiest way is just put Uncomfortable Eric in the search bar and it'll bring you right up. It's black and white logo with a lowercase U and an uppercase and uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram are my two primary uh, social medias. You can find us both at uh, uncomfortable 60 uncomfortable podcast 65 on both of those. Um, you know, I, with the advent and put the, putting the studio together and, and kind of uh, getting this video vibe that I got going now, probably going to start branching out into maybe some, doing some stuff like you guys are doing and uploading some videos. Don't know that I'm going to do it every episode, but who knows, you know, um, man, just get your people over. I guarantee they're going to find something they like and I'm going to treat you right. And uh, let's just make this one big uncomfortable congregation mixed with the <laughs> Appalachian what I mean just, just one great big weird ass family you know yeah um, that's that's what it's all about uh, love you guys for having me on man it's been a blast hey we love you brother this has been a this has been a ball and I'm buying next time I'm buying next time because uh, <laughs> you guys bring your bring your egg game and uh, we'll we'll do another two two and a half hours uh, over here. In the words of an all time classic, "Bring it on!" It's already been brought in. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys, absolutely, hey, thank man. you, man. This has been a blast. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. You got some uh, Patreon members to read off. Is that what you're trying to I, get to? I do. Uh, just again, I'm going to show. Everybody love for becoming Patreon members on our channel. Uh, we got some new ones. Want to show some love to and the uh, the first ones. I'm still going to read them off as well. But starting off, we got and I hope I don't butcher this. I know I can get Katie right, but Lakomsky, Katie Lakomsky, Maynard W, Keith Bryant, Marksy. Kenneth Bailey, Mr. Beard, The Amazing Rando, Troy, and Fido. Once again, we just want to say thank you guys so much for your support. 
get over to the Discord if you're not already there. You guys know our email. And uh, as always, keep sharing this, guys, so we can grow and uh, continue to put this stuff out there for you guys to enjoy. I hope you enjoy it anyway. But if, if they don't, else, Lance, if they don't, they won't Jackson. make it. If they don't, they won't make it to this part two or a half hours into the yeah. if, yeah, if you didn't if enjoy it, you're like not fucking listening to me. Right, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have made it this far, you are loyal heel folk. Yes. But no, again, just to uh to thank Eric for coming on the show. We appreciate it so much. Heel folk, go check out this guy's show. You will not be disappointed. And in the words of uh, you know, something that I learned from our good friend Tony Merkel. Before you even listen to the first episode, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review because that's what we do. We help out other people because this guy, I promise, is putting in the work. He's putting out a ton of free stuff, free content. He's doing the interviews. He's doing the research. He's doing all the grunt work, and he's a knowledgeable person. So you're getting a whole lot of stuff for absolutely nothing. So you leave that five-star rating. You leave that five-star review, and then you hit play. Because that's what we do for people that we love. That's right. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Absolutely. We'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. We absolutely will. Hill folk, we love y'all. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you sharing the show. We couldn't do it without y'all. We wouldn't do it without y'all. <laughs> Until next yeah, we're, time. We're, it'd just be us talking now. <laughs> yeah, it's talking to each other. <laughs> Until next time. We'll see y'all later.